Hey everybody, RC Heli Nation version 2.0. Let me start over because I got some shit in my throat. <laughs> and that's the intro. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Hey everybody, RC Heli Nation version 2.0. I am Dan and I'm back. This is episode 230. Been hanging out with the sheep. Yeah. Bad. Bad. It's been a bad time. <laughs> you got a bad sickness, dude. I hear uh I hear a nitro went up. Yeah. Uh smoke the nitro, Jason. What? Yeah. Uh, you smoked one. I did. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's play it. I did. Yeah. yeah. Did what? Did you edit the show last week? I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Justin was like, "Wah!" And it was like, "Wah!" And then he was like, "Oh my god!" And it was like, "Wah!" And then it went, "Wah!" <laughs> <laughs> That is exactly what happened, dude. It is exactly what happened. That was like, that was it in a nutshell. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> except it was just like eight minutes of That's right. It was about, it was about four minutes. What do I do? What do I do? I'm going to throw a towel over it. I'll tell you what, man. I felt <laughs> like a freaking, down. I felt like a freaking rock star hovering that thing at 4,000 <laughs> RPM. <laughs> Could have hovered it dead level in an 80 mile an hour wind. Dude, I thought about pitch pumping and that some bitch was bouncing up and down like 10 feet. You know what? It would have helped the motor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. Okay. So, Dan, uh-huh. I apologize for blowing up your motor. I'm all right with that. But I did purchase all of the components necessary to fix it, and it is now in Nick's capable well, hands I, I you know hey i i'm perfectly okay with the motor blowing up but you know what really sucks is finding about it on an edit <laughs> <laughs> what you didn't what was give your him a response, courtesy text dude? what's that nick you got no courtesy text no text no dude i wanted it to be Shh. exciting he wasn't mm-hmm. here that makes it real exciting so what, <laughs> what walk us through that dan how did that go for you well, I was playing Fallout 4 while I was listening. And uh, what I see. Wait, so what? The, so Wait, what, what I do. What? How do you edit do that, while playing a video I'll, game? I'll, I'll tell you. So what I do. This explains right? a lot for the record. <laughs> when I edit, when I do the final edit and I'm listening for anomalies, right? I put the speakers on and I sit next to the computer and I turn the big TV and I turn it up. And I just wait for weirdness. And then I reach over and fix it. And so I'm playing Fallout 4. Uh, started a new character. And I uh, was in the middle of, um, you know, a pretty big fight, right? I was uh, clearing the castle, for those of you who know what they mean by that, right? That, is a, that is a big ordeal. Yep. And... Um, 
I was listening and I'm like, I, I'm I'm in the middle of this fight and I'm like, okay, what is that? What? So I'm trying to focus on two things all of a sudden, right? Like really listen and focus. And I'm trying to kill this thing on the screen. And I'm like, Justin just blew up my motor. <laughs> I didn't even get a text. I was like, uh, okay, let's see how this game's played. Well, Can't so wait. here was the plan, Dan. I, I wanted, I was expecting you to be on the show. Right. And I thought I, it would be great to get your reaction to this. Kind of like, you know, always, when, when yeah, Rob told you that, that he flew you. your right. helicopter into the power line. Right. Right. I love and, that. Uh, and you didn't show up. And then I just forgot about it. And you're just like, hmm, I guess he'll find out when it when he edits it. Nah, it's no yeah. big deal. It is what it is. Yeah, sorry, shit, man. Shit happens. Yeah. It didn't that. damage anything that couldn't be replaced. So at the end of the day, you still got, Nick's got a brand new YS91. And I bet you he doesn't blow it up when he goes to break it in. I bet you you're right. <laughs> it wasn't due to the tune, though. That's all I got to say. We did the yeah. tally on uh, blowing up nitro engines for me versus speed controllers for him. Yeah. yeah. He still beats me like by a long shot, dude. Well, yeah. yeah. He's blown up, up more Nick- of my speed controllers <laughs> than I've blown up fuel engines. Yeah. Did you get struck by lightning once, Nick? Because, you know, I hear people that have that misfortune have a problem with electronics. I have been shocked so many times. It's not even There's, funny as an electrician, dude. That's what it is. Yep. That's what it is. Sometimes that's a voltmeter. <laughs> so <laughs> two weeks, two weeks out, guys, I was sicker than a dog. I mean, that first week, uh, I don't ever remember being that sick. It had me. I was beat and uh, started feeling better. Of course, no flying. I didn't get any flying in that, that week. I, I was like. I was so sick that I couldn't sit here in the living room on the couch and play Fallout 4. I just couldn't do dude, it. I couldn't. What what did you That's, have? Dude, I just I, I just could lay there and go, uh, I think I'm gonna die. That's all I was doing. I mean, it was horrible. I was I some flu, I guess. I don't know. Whatever was going around. That lasted a week, over a week. <clears throat> and now that's gone away. So the next week, it wasn't that I was feeling horribly bad. I just couldn't stop coughing. It just, every time I would, you know, sit down or move or this cough would come up and it's still here a little bit, but it was just, it just wouldn't stop and it's not going away. And I'm going on, I I think on Monday, it's going to be, is it three, three, three weeks or better that this is just lingering. And it's just not going away. So, but last week I bought a new toy. I'm able to, I, I was able to get a few hours of riding it in the morning. I'm loving it. And then I'd go to the field in the afternoon. And I actually think I'm going to switch that around <clears throat> and go flying this weekend. It's, it's kind of looking like shit. looks like it's going to rain, but flying in the morning and riding in the evening. How sweet is that? Right. Isn't that awesome? Very. So no that response. sounds like the good life. I mean, I know, right? You're living it. So I'm still on this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I actually, 
I actually contemplated, I, I, and it was just a thought, but it, I wasn't going to do anything because we are going to be meeting up in Othello here in a few weeks. But I literally, Nick, I didn't call you and talk to you about it, but I was like, I'm, I'm feeling so desperate about this mind state of mind that I'm in when it comes to flying that I think I'm going to drive to Nick's for a day so we can buddy box and just get it out of my system. Before, Othe- before Othello? Like, yeah, that's what I, I was like. I just, I just need a day. Like, I need, because I know I can do this shit. And I'm, I, I, guys, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't understand what is going on because I'm simming with the V control. How are you doing on the sim? I, I'm, dude. I've I mean, been are simming. you making progress? Are you feeling yeah. more comfortable? Yeah. I mean, I never on the sim. It literally felt like I never stopped flying for those months. It just didn't. I mean, I I was able to do everything that I was at one point able to do. I don't know. It's I get to the field and I I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna not screw this shit. Just just do it because you know you can. And so I'm like, all right, screw it. It's just gonna happen, and I'll get into a maneuver, and I go into vapor lock. Isn't that the weirdest thing? No, I don't think so. It's do, but it's taking too long, and it's pissing me off. I don't, I don't get it. But so that's where I'm at still. I mean, I'm going, I'm putting the time in, but I feel like it's I'm not getting anywhere with it. I'm enjoying. And what it. are you I mean, doing when when you go fly? Like what what's your routine right now? Well, right now I'm just it's at the basic level, Justin. I'm trying to get myself to do a fast figure eight. Or uh, some flips and rolls, or which, uh, strangely enough, the, the flips and the rolls, both aileron and elevator, I'm not having any issues with. But it's like, as the helicopter starts to get away from me, I start to, dr- my confidence, it's, it's like an exponential loss of confidence. You just get nervous. Yeah. It's like, I, and I got to thinking about it, there is one massive change. Let's see what you guys think about this. So I've been flying since day one, sitting on my scooter, mm-hmm. right? I have not been taking my scooter to the field. Um, and something occurred to me last weekend, um, and I don't know if it's just me trying to figure out, you know, reaching for an explanation or some, some answer, but I'm thinking... Do you get, I mean, what are the chances? What are the odds that, that, that what the, the chair I'm sitting on is maybe because you guys know my back is curved, right? I can't straighten my, I can't look up into the sky real easy. Right. Maybe there was something about that scooter, the way I could sit in it, kind of lean back a little bit, maybe where I was more comfortable and I didn't feel like the helicopter was going to go out of my vision uh, straight up because I could see straight up. Do you think that's maybe, it or do you think you're reaching for it? I think I'm reaching, but I think, don't you think I owe it to myself to try? I mean, to go grab the scooter tomorrow and take it? Yeah, absolutely. I would try it. I mean, at at this point, you could bring a chicken and a crow's foot and whatever (laughs) out there. I mean, it doesn't. Welcome to flying. We have some, uh, dude, there are people that have the weirdest rituals and things that have to happen. Uh, I mean, it wasn't until this last year that I could do a single flight without a transmitter or without a strap. If I didn't have a strap, 
I literally was concerned that I might throw my radio. Yeah. And there's no reason I won't for fly. That. I you know what? I've done that too. I've actually made I'm the same I'm the same way with the strap. I've actually made shit out of out of like shop towels, right? I did one out of uh headphones, headphone cables. I tied them I looped them around my neck and I tied it through the hole in my transmitter. And it didn't even yeah. matter that it was the wrong length. And it was barely holding on. Didn't matter. It was the mental thing. So yeah. what I'm getting at is, no, I, I do think it's a possibility. I think once you get, you know, once you get past that hump, it's not going to be a big deal. But you're in like mind fuck zone. So it's, it's the bad. planets need to align to get you over that hump. Or you just need to have me here to, you know, take your skirt off and. You dirty boy. <laughs> how are you going to do that, Nick? How, how do you propose to remove his skirt? Yeah. I'll just put him on the buddy box and be like, all right, go now, now, now. Because look at what I did. Uh, look at what we were doing with Jesse down in Snohomish. That was awesome. I just stood next to him. Okay, this, now, this, now, this. And it, it, it was the more he thought about it, the harder it was. But when he was just doing it and taking out, it's like the fear all went away because he was more focused on doing exactly what I said to do. It didn't give him any time to be afraid of it. You know what I mean? It was just simple instructions. If someone tells you to left aileron roll, that's all you have to worry about. But when you're flying by yourself and you think, "I, I can't do a backwards traveling a left aileron roll. That I don't know. I don't know if I really feel comfortable with it. It's it's that Todd Bennett school of you know tough love, <laughs> which I'm serious and it, it works great. It's just like just do it. Why you're three mistakes high? You've got plenty of time. Just do Dan, it. And ha- ha- have you have you tried it on like the oxy or like a smaller model yet? I I have been flying the oxy, but it's it it's worse because it's so quick quick and little, you know, and it's just a little. I don't particularly like yeah. to fly. Are you flying up high? I and that's just it. I I'm not because I can't. I don't feel like I'm comfortably able to look up into the sky without straining my back. Um, so I'm not flying high. Right. Oh man, yeah. You've just got it all. Like it's all adding up in the wrong directions, dude. So let me run another. Since we're we're kind of you know searching for uh, excuses. Um, one thing, <laughs> one thing that I don't say we was for the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that I was thinking about, and uh, when it comes right down to it, I I think that multi rotors are ruining me. In that sense. And let me explain why. Because, and actually Fred was talking about this. Uh, you, you know, you guys have all heard me talk about Fred. And he, he works for us now. And he's he's flying all day long. And so he bought Ed's 7HV. Okay. And yep. <clears throat> so we got it flying. We got it up in the air. And he kept saying, it's it's. I gotta, I gotta turn the dual rates down or something. It's just, it's too fast. It's too snappy. And I'm thinking, 
Fred, this is no faster than the heli you've been flying, you know, for the last four years. I'm, you know, trying to tell him that it's all in his head because I knew and I know it's all in my head. So I'm like, dude, this is this is just in our heads. And then we got to thinking about it, like, you know, we're so used to flying a multi-rotor and and we do manual flights a lot because we're testing very specific things. But that thing flies so slow and and so boring. Yeah, it's like it's like that's what we're used to, you know. And any now that we're you know, if we move out of that, now it's like we're everything feels foreign to us now. Yeah, no, I hear you. So I don't know. It's I'm not going to give up on it. I mean, I I'm having a good time. I mean, I I still am like you know I'd love that that 275. I just got I, I I'm all about that helicopter. And, um, you know, I've, I, I just, at the end of the day, when I leave the field, while I'm there, I'm hanging out, I'm talking with the guys, I'm getting some flights in or, you know, hovering in essentially. And, and everything's, I, I'm not, it's not bringing me down or I'm not focusing on the fact that except for when I'm flying, I'm trying to get myself to just dude, let it happen. I, you know, you can do it. But when I leave the field, I'm driving home and I'm thinking, wow, what, what am I going to do to fix this? And and what is going on? Yeah. Uh, and at that point, I'm like, Ugh. I just, I don't know. I just don't know. And that's when I was thinking the last time, I'm like, maybe I do need to just pack a helicopter up and, and head over just for a day and, and just spend, you know, four hours literally and just buddy box. It'd take a half hour. I mean, that's all that it would I really take. do think you're right. I think it's going to take one flight, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I really think that that just letting it go and just letting it happen, is it's going to quickly, quickly come back. But it's like there's that. And I think, too, Justin, you made a point a few weeks ago when I was talking about this. Just crash it. Get it out of the, yep. get it out of the way. Yep. Maybe and I was some. about to ask along those same lines whether you would even need the buddy box. What if you just flew one of Nick's helis, knowing that it wasn't yours? I always, I never fly other people. I'm always, this is how I'm flying right now. This is how I fly other people's helis. Okay. Well, then because never mind. I, because I don't, I, the idea of flying and crashing somebody else's shit is just not appealing to me. Even worse. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. I don't know, man. You know, I'm still kind of dealing with. Um, I, I I just haven't gotten around to. Oh, Chris Lund sent me a. Because we think it's a. I, I was talking with Wolf Carey, Shirley, and Chris Lund. And we think that the issue that I'm having with the 300 is simply a faulty state gator. Oh, really? Ooh, okay. Why are you, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why are you still screwing around with that thing? Just get it off of there. Put a regular one on. Be done with it. I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's like, hello. Because I've been flying the other one and I'm enjoying it. And remember I said, I just put the other one up and I'm like, this one's working. I like it. I'm going to go with this one until I have to pull out. Bob's your uncle and fly him, right? Yeah. However, in the meantime, Chris Lund did send me a Stator Gator. Free of charge. He's like, here, dude. 
try this. If you're still having problems with it, then switch so it out. spend the same amount of time putting something in that oh, you mo- obviously have never put a stator gator in. Dude, mo- that's like three minutes. Oh, I yeah, thought dude. you said it was tough. That it was no. when I didn't know when I didn't understand the process of what I took way too much shit off of the off of the machine. To do oh, it. okay. <clears throat> but it, I made it way more. Let's say I made it way more complicated than it needed to be. Then it needed to bolts. be right. Yeah, and so which yeah, is not, not surprising. I've heard other people say the same thing. Cool beans, man. Uh, let's see. Been sick, so I've not really been doing much helly other than last week. And um, who's next? I'll go. We all know crashing sucks, but the only thing worse than crashing is missing something during the repair and watching it pile right back in. Well, guess what? The greatness that is the Soco Heli tool can save you time and from making a costly mistake during your diagnostic process. Simply slap on the Soco Heli tool after a crash and you can check your main shaft, spindle shaft, servo horn teeth, and servo gears without even removing the head from the heli. That simple five minute check can save you hundreds and hundreds of dollars and get you more stick time in the long run. So remember, if you want your equipment to be reliable, then you have to be a good heli mechanic. And if you want to be a good heli mechanic, you have to have good tools. Soko Heli Tools. Because quality and precision is worth it. Get your Soko Heli Tools at www.socohelitools.com. I flew a lot. And had a lot of fun doing it. I flew the crap out of some stuff last weekend. It was, man, it was nice. It was like wife and the kid were out there and, man, just banging them out. Still putting in a ton of flights on the batteries for the battery review. All of them are just flying dead on. I mean, I, I... I got nothing. I got no complaints. I found out some very interesting. Oh, that's right. <sighs> okay. So I got the X Nova 4025 670 installed in the 500 SS. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> holy cow uh one one of two things one very positive and one very negative thing one very positive immediate increase now i'm not i, I don't have any i don't have any data no data no data no, no gantt charts no no graph charts none of that none of that jetty shit to tell me that i'm going any faster than i was but i can tell you I'm going a lot faster than I was because that thing is ripping now. The downfall is what life my pack had left in it <laughs> is gone. Is now is gone. now completely gone in one flight. Hmm. In one flight? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We went from. What were we joking about the week before that my my minimum battery voltage was during a flight? Like 40. 40, right. Yeah, it went down to 36. Oh my. Yeah, that's uh <laughs> dude, that's like that's like hard low voltage cutoff. Yeah. 
every every run. It was awesome. I mean, it was awesome. Every run, it's like low voltage. <laughs> low voltage. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you what. No fucks were given because <laughs> I was having fun. Hauling, baby. It's the headroom that it needed. Now all I need is a good set of packs to drive it because it is just, it's so fast. It's so stable. I feel like my tune is great on it. My flying skill, that would, those were probably the best runs that I've done height-wise, straightness, and just, I mean, it's, I am definitely ready for my reverse half Cuban 8 training. No question. I feel like my corrections are good. Um, it, it's time to, to step it up to the next level. So I did have a lot of fun, but I have to get back. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Yeah. Everything else was just freaking awesome. I mean, no issues with anything. Uh, still getting good flights. Uh, if you haven't, I do have the initial information up for the battery review on the database. So you have to contact Justin to get access to that if you don't. And we've been getting a number of people. I think I, I texted you earlier in the week as of Thursday, which was, I guess, yesterday. I had like six new people request getting access to the to the mm-hmm. database i mean i i typically see somewhere in the range of i'd say eight to ten a month but five or six in a week they're they've got to be interested in uh in what you got going with that battery review so that's awesome keep keep the requests coming yeah super cool so i have that information there and then this week was just oh my gosh what a absolutely insane week i had so much going on today was my last day at the job um at my job starting a new one on monday so it was just wrapping up all these other projects i had some photography stuff i had to wrap up and man uh just it, it was not a good it was not a good week i did get uh, for those, okay, I'm just going to throw this out. I said it once before. I'm going to apologize again because there's a couple people out there that keep throwing me under the bus for it. Uh, when I originally did the bump controller, it, this is turning into a kind of a big thing. Not a, kind of a big thing. That's an over-exaggeration. In the manual, when you program the tags, and like we had mentioned, these are one-time program, the first portion of the tag where you put the actual battery data in there, it's a one-time burn deal. You can't go back and change it, which I still think is stupid, but okay, that's just me. Under where it says, uh, what does it say? I've got the manual up here because I'm in a discussion about it right now as we speak. It says the, the parameter is discharge max. I put up when I did my video that that is the max that you want to discharge your pack at. That information was incorrect. There's nothing in the manual that would allude to it being anything else. And that's what I took that description as, as so did other people who did overview videos, as did a lot of other people who have set up their bump controllers and their tags. That information was wrong. 
that should be your actual battery C rating. Now, so what happens is you put that in there and then it throws the the cell IR on this menu off. And then supposedly it will negatively affect the fuel table and its accuracy. I I honestly can't say. I mean, I'm kind of just learning more about it because, again, I had to go uh, almost like debus drive myself out of this. Um, but uh, yeah. So if you had that, if you did it because of my video, I'm sorry. I'm not the only one that did it. Um, it, it was definitely my mistake. I have a correction up on that video now. If you go to watch it on YouTube, a big warning pops up that displays it. Now, here's the one thing that I don't know what to tell you because I haven't gotten the answer from the manufacturer. Where it says discharge max, is that label battery C rating or actual battery C rating? Supposedly, if it has so much to do with the outcome of the fuel table and other stuff, then how are you supposed to know which one that is? It doesn't allude to either. So, little bit of a uh, little bit of explaining needed there within the manual. I'll find out. I'll duke it out with him and uh, get you guys that information as soon as I know. Um, and then I'm also going to do a short video coming up that just shows the manual side of the bump controller as well, um, because you don't have to have battery stickers on there. So. Yes, there is that correction. Can, can you just get it right, Nick? I mean, come on. Well, you know, is it, it was kind of so hard. To, it was weird because right? when I got mine, I went to go like watch some overview videos and I couldn't find one. So. I don't know. Mm. That is that's weird. I agree. At that time, I I didn't see one. I didn't look super hard, but I just went down, kind of went through the manual and that part's going to be. Uh, in the review, this thing's freaking awesome. I mean, I, I don't want to dwell on this. This thing is awesome. Absolutely awesome. One of my cooler toys, tidbits. I love every single thing about it with the exception of that. That has been a negative experience. And I think it's been a negative experience for a fair amount of people. I just saw another guy post on Facebook, just programmed 19 tags and did them all wrong because of that. But what yeah. I don't really get is how, why does that value affect anything other than what you can discharge the pack? Especially when that value, if you go by labels, is going to be wrong most of the time anyway. Uh, yeah, way wrong. So I don't know. I'm all, like I said, I'm going to take one for the team, go in, piss some people off, duke it out, find out the real story behind it. Um, and try and get you guys the real deal. And then in the meantime, cool part is they've been putting out updates for it. So I'm sure once we get this all figured out, they'll probably update it and then change the name of that to like battery C rating or something like that. And hopefully uh, do a little description in the manual. You know, yeah. small stuff. Still badass though. Love, love that thing to death. Absolutely love it. And I also did just find out another cool little trick, too, in that I had not been parallel charging on it because 
I mean, I'm parallel charging my stick packs, but I'm not parallel charging a bunch of other stuff because I wanted to make sure I was, I wanted to make sure that I was still counting my cycles accurately on the pack. And if you just put a pack on there and you bump it, you can't plug in a bunch more packs, right? Because you yep. can't not bump those. Aha, not true. You actually can. So what that you have to do is they have to be on. Now, I'm just, I mean, this is literally unfolding. There's a couple guys figuring this out as we're sitting here recording the show. But what it looks like is you have to make sure that the charge um, style, whether it be accurate or normal or fast, is the same across the packs. And then you can bump multiple packs at once and then hit charge. And it's still going to do your overall parallel charge, but it will count a cycle for each pack. But doesn't it keep individual battery data? No. Oh, it doesn't? No, I mean, you can you can do it the whole logging deal type thing, but it's, it's just cycle count. Is, well, how about this? Cycle count's the only thing I care about. Okay. As far as, you know, keeping it. That's all I'm worried about. And and I'm still trying to figure out, you know, this is turning out to be, uh, there's just, man, it's almost like I have so many different ways to see, to check cycle count on stuff that now I'm almost a little bit overwhelmed because it's like. So run this, let me, help me understand this. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that you've got two separate six cell batteries mm-hmm. and you're going to charge them in parallel. If you bump one battery twice, how are you counting a cycle on the one you don't know? You bump the other one as well. So you bump you one bump battery. Both. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Gotcha. Then you bump okay. the other one. It puts them up in parallel on the gotcha. screen. Like it actually stacks them together. Right. And ah. then you just hit start. Now it's, you know, you, I think that you're still only charging you know at whatever your your c rating is and it might be um again since i haven't tested i'm not 100 percent positive it might like only work for the same capacity as well just so that your your charge currents are right. still are still okay um but yeah it's just cool to know that even if it does have some st- safety stipulations you know to it well it has to be like this and it has to be like that i can work around that but just that now i can actually parallel charge because what for me since i'm justin you'd be proud everything is in storage every time woot um it would be really nice i have the nice rev electrics the multi uh boards and I can, I have the capability of charging five packs at once. Well, since I'm doing five batteries in this review, it would be really cool if I could just put them all on one side. Now, I don't know how many I can stack together on this. That I'm not sure. It might only be two. But hey, even two's better than nothing because now I can throw two on either side of the dual power lab and get four of them charging you know, all at the same time before so I go. Let me to ask field. you a question. Mm-hmm. Let me, uh, as you guys know, 
I don't really do a lot of electric helicopter stuff. Had mm-hmm. a few in the past and got a couple now. My question is, I always was under the impression that parallel charging works when the batteries are at the same voltage best. In other words, if you're flying two backs, like a saddle, like a side-by-side, like maybe, you know, the Elise was or, mm-hmm. you know, the Outrage, <clears throat> those two batteries are going to be pretty consistent in voltage because they were flying at the same time. Can you still do it if you use, say, just one 6-cell in your, in your 570 and then you got another and maybe the flight times were 30 seconds off or a minute off, so you've got now a different voltage in battery A and battery B? You can. still... And you can, but then it's, uh, you know, from my personal experience, it's all about what I call static time. So I'm a little, I might be a little bit more queer than some people are about this, but what I do is they will fill each other. That's the best right. way that I can put it. If you have a full bucket and a bucket that's almost empty and you put a hose down at the bottom between the two... It's going to take a while, right? They'll equal, they'll but they equal will out. equal out. And batteries kind of work that way too. One's going to discharge, one's going to charge. So the farther they are apart, the longer, longer you should let them sit. The, now, the math for that, I don't know. I just go off of kind of, I never do it if they're way off. But if I've got one at, you know, that's empty at 375, and I have another one that's at storage at 3.85. I will hook them all up together and I'll leave them for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes or something like that. And then do a slow charge on it. I never do a like 5C 12 minute charge when it's like that. I just, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Justin, do you have any more technical data that would say I'm an idiot and doing it the wrong way? No, no, I think that's perfectly fine. I mean, I, going back to to Dan's original question of can you just put two that have been flown in, you know, separately in the same or different helis and parallel them? Bottom line, Dan, yes. Is everyone going to agree that's the best way to do it? No, but no one's going to be able to tell the difference. It's it's not okay. worth getting fussy over. I mean, as long as they're near the same state of charge, uh, then you're perfectly fine. I got a pipe. Did I tell? I don't even remember now. Time is is getting crazy. I, my pipe's here. Your pipe's sweet here. for the nitro. Oh yeah. My pipe showed up. My servos are here. My flybarless systems here. My the airframe is not here, but I have a pipe sitting. <laughs> When's right that here. coming? Uh, I don't know. I'll let you know when it shows up. Mm. I found a Hatori. I don't know the number. I don't pay attention. Yeah. It's the Hatori for the YS one twenty. Yeah, I got I got two of those. Because I heard that they work just fine. Yeah. On the 91s. Yeah. So that'd be what I got. Was that 91 an SRX? I can't remember, Justin. No, it was a, the 91 that it was I, a Turek, I just blew right? up. 
Yeah, it's yeah. a Tourette. It's a Tourette. Yeah. Perfect. It is. Yeah. Was. Nitro, baby. Well, well yes. Was. <laughs> Past tense. Yeah, it's getting it's, close, man. We're getting it's dead close. now. <laughs> yeah. Bird things. Is it going to, do you, okay, I know you don't know, but what do you suppose the odds are that you're going to have it at Othello? Good? Bad? Maybe? 50-50. 50-50? Yep. It's That's a pretty neutral response. I appreciate that. Yep. It's That's very committal of you. I like Well, it. no, because that's accurate. It's, I know, but yeah, it is. You're supposed to say, Dan, it's going to be there. I guarantee it's going to be there. Dude, come on. Unless yeah. I have it in my hands, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> what? Not in this hobby. You'd be yeah. cray cray if you think that's how it is. Did you just say cray cray? Yeah. <laughs> just for you, you too. I did. You said just, it. just for you. Hey, you know what's cool? I just lost a little bit of respect for you. And you, that also made me think about things of, speaking of losing respect, uh, for my last day at work today, um, because I, I am a assertive worker. I'm there to get shit done. I make stuff happen. I'm a done guy. I'm not a working on it guy. I, I start and finish things. And so it is kind of a joke, a respected joke, but a joke that I am a dickhead, uh, which is perfectly okay. <laughs> I own that rule. I own that role. N- not a problem. The guys, they made me a cake of a dick. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I got a dick cake today for work. Yep. Did you just gobble it up? And then, well, then it's kind of the joke because all my hairs. I was chatting with one of our listeners about this too. I was like, "Oh man, I, I'm that guy. I'm going gray way early." And so then, apparently, it's also the joke at work that someone thought it was funny uh, saying that I had cancer. So then, on the dick, they wrote, "Get well soon." <laughs> oh my god! That's how you know when your guys love you. Yeah. yeah. Which part of the dick did you bite first? The tip. There you go. That's what Justin <laughs> wanted to hear. Man. <laughs> Justin just stirred a little. Yeah. All right. I'm done. Have you made the switch yet? Well, if you haven't, then you need to get on the ball. Brought to you by Burt Kammerer of BK Designs, switch rotor blades are the perfect way to complete that perfect heli setup. From 250 to 800 class blades in precision and aggressive 3D versions, and with tail blades and night blades too, switch blades give you a large variety of options to get your heli flying the way you want to. Head over to www.bkdesignsllc.com Give them a try today, and I'm sure you'll make the switch. This week, I'm taking a no-fly, which is somewhat aggravating. Uh, Last weekend, the weather was gorgeous, but I just did not get out. It was, uh, it was, I don't know. I don't have an excuse. I don't have an excuse for not getting out. I just didn't get out, so... No flying last weekend. The week was great in terms of weather as well. And uh, no fly there either. And then, of course, my Friday off rolls around. 
And Friday off, I'm thinking, okay, there's a decent chance I won't have to do much work during the day. And so I'm going to get some flying in, wake up and uh, have to do somewhat of a last minute emergency telecon for work. So that eats up a portion of the morning. When I get off the telecon, it starts raining. So that was awesome. So the the rain stops me in the middle of the day. And then uh, towards the end of the day, actually right before I showed up to, to record here, uh, I uh, once a year, I teach a class, uh, a remote grad class on electric propulsion for USC on hall thrusters because that's my engine. That's what I do. And so that was from five until eight. And as I show up about 20 or 30 minutes before to get all prepped, it stops raining and the clouds kind of part. And I'm like, you (laughs) son of a bitch. Like, why does it always happen that way? And then, of course, you know, tomorrow and Sunday, at least in my area, it's saying it's like 60 to 90 percent chance to rain. So I doubt I'm going to get any flying in this weekend. I'm hoping for a better week next one. But I did still get a good amount of stuff done in the last week. Uh, so obviously, I had to reinstall my my nitro motor after I took your blown up one away or out mm-hmm. and sent mm-hmm. it to Nick. So that's up and ready to go again. Uh, I also, as I had mentioned last week, I had started getting prepped for the three digi on the Goblin Speed, got it installed, uh, made sure, you know, everything got set up so that I could run the wires and such like that. And then I went to go and program it. And unfortunately, I I'm running into a little bit of an issue with getting my computer to recognize it. Now, I I don't know whether it's a USB driver thing or Windows or whatever it is, but uh, working through that. So unfortunately, I didn't get as far on that as I would like, but I'm working with Danny and Pavel and a couple of other people to figure it out. And as soon as I uh, know what the problem is, I will let you guys know. And uh, I certainly am not eliminating the possibility that I douched it up. Uh, So we'll just have to see what what happens there. The downside was, though, that I pulled the freaking Goblin Speed apart to install that, which breaks the cardinal rule. And now I don't have a Goblin Speed to fly unless I'm going to go back and rewire it for the for the Bavarian Demon. You don't have any flying speed helis right now. Yeah, I do. Which one? The R5. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one. Never yeah. mind. I totally yeah, forgot R5 about is the fine. R5. No problem. Yeah, one out good. of four, right? Uh, yes, yes, that's correct. Is it? Yeah. Did yeah, you something like that? Did you get the memo that it's spring? I know, dude. And you have know. one. You had all winter, and you have one out of four. Well, flying. the Goblin Speed is uh was flying. I got to get this damn fly barless system put on it so I can keep doing the review. R5's good. Uh, Diablo's still in pieces. I do have to get on the or off my butt and get on the ball and get the parts ordered. It's just so painful 
uh, <laughs> because of how freaking expensive it is and the fact that it came down in sand. So now every time I take another bearing out, I realize I have to replace them all. Uh, you know, it had crossed my mind that I might as well just buy one of the used ones off the forums and leave this one as a damn parts heli, because at this point it would take less time. More money, wow. but less Ugh. time. Damn. I mean, that that's where I'm at with that helicopter right now. Not a happy camper. Uh, and and you're right. And then the TDR one is uh, still in pieces because I just haven't gotten a chance to get around to it. But, but, guess what showed up today? Box number one of the TDR two, mm. and this particular box contains the canopy and the boom. And I nice. almost fell over when I saw it. I was like, uh, I, I don't even know what to say, dude. All carbon fiber. Absolutely dead sexy. Holy shit. Hmm. I just want to rub all over it, Dan. <laughs> so are they holding the other half hostage or what? No, they they ship it in two separate packages uh, because it ends up apparently being cheaper to do it that way than sending one one large package that weighs a bunch. Basically, the TDR to the TDR to delivery is a it's a tantric experience, Dave. (laughs) That's right. We yes, yes, you're right. (laughs) And that is now trademarked for the record. You draw it out. That's right. Multiple you can't just days. blow your wad on one no, bottle. No, oh, it's this no. is yep. So I took I took a couple <laughs> of pictures. You know what it just made me think of? What's the movie? Is it the end of the what is the movie? Which one? The the mm-hmm. end of the is it the end of the world? With who? Oh, I can't think of it. Where the where the I can't even say it. It's not. It's so not appropriate. Never mind. Oh, <laughs> I know you know which one I'm talking me. about. I know you do. Never mind. Ah, <laughs> oh, you suck. Okay. Anyway. Well, you you think about that, and if you can bring it back up, that's fine. But I sent Nick a couple of photos of the canopy and the boom, uh, because I was so, literally like. I had to pick it up from the the post office because I wasn't there when they dropped it off yesterday. So they left a little tag. So I was so excited that I immediately like like a little kid, right? I get out of the post office, barely make it back to my car, and I'm tearing the box open in the back of my car. (laughs) (laughs) That canopy. Holy cow. Pod and boom my ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm hoping I get all the components, uh, the you know, the airframe and the mechanics here soon. Probably tomorrow, if not, then on Monday. And that's perfectly fine. I've got plenty of other stuff to keep me busy. Um, I'm still gathering all the electronics for it. Of course, the, the Henselet Edition Cosmic 200 will come with it. Uh, but I need to pick up a set of servos. Obviously, it'll have a Bavarian demon in it. 
And then um, I've been working with my team manager on X Nova, and I think I will be getting a new prototype speed motor uh, that I can't say much about yet, but uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks I will get it installed and we'll see what this thing is actually made of. Uh, so that that was sort of the extent of the heli model specific exploits, but of course I have been working on uh, finishing up or fixing Nick's discharger control unit because I think as he mentioned either last episode of the episode before um it had been running perfectly fine for me and then he put two packs through it and fused a relay shot okay so I used mechanical relays because they're cheap and I didn't bother snubbing them because I didn't think it was a big deal and I was wrong And so I have now upgraded it to a 40 amp solid state relay, Nick. So you will not be fusing anything and it can handle about twice or two and a half times the current that you're running through it right now. Nice. So that'll go out in the mail here pretty soon. And then the other thing that I I think I want to say that I officially have nailed down to the point where it is a workable prototype that I can do like official testing on is my Arduino timing system for the speed season. So, you know, part of the whole MHSFA thing of trying to get grassroots competitions going is actually having equipment that they can use that they're confident in being able to do the times correctly. And of course you can use two stopwatches like we had at our event, but uh, having a single chronometer style system actually is a lot simpler and doesn't require as many people to man the system. And so that's basically what this is. Um, And it allows you with about, 20 bucks worth of electronics and maybe 50 bucks or so worth of wire uh, to put two triggers, one at each station on either side of the course that runs to a computer at the main, the center station or the scoring uh, bench, I guess, or booth. And when you click the trigger on either end, it starts or stops the timer. And then that time shows up on the computer and the scorekeepers can write it down. So a nice. little bit nice. more testing to do, a little bit more cleanup and making it look halfway presentable, kind of like the discharger. And then that guy, um, I think I'll at, at least start giving people um, the the concept behind it or the idea so that they can actually go and build their own for their own events. Awesome. That's pretty cool, dude. Yeah. Other than that, I don't don't think I uh, did much else. I think I got a little bit of sim. Sim's not still not sinking in. I don't know what it is. I'm in a I'm in a sim funk. I go on there. I do some speed sim. That's fine. I do some 3D sim. That's a little less fine. Not because I'm not. Not feeling like I'm up to par. I mean, I'm fine on the sim for 3D, but I just, like, I'm not feeling it. I just want to go and fly the real thing. It's one of those. Right. 
I do. You should try it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> do we have any we'll, news this we'll week? Get there. We do. Hey, Kayla, would you mind uh, charging up my batteries while I pack up all my helis and other gear so we can head out to the field? I would love to, if I could figure out how to work this charger. It's so confusing. You really need to get yourself a new one. <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. I know exactly what I'll get. I'm going to head over to revelectrics.com to order myself up a brand new dual PowerLab 8 charger. With the pre-programmable menus and the endless customization, it's extremely fast and easy to charge nearly any battery. Thank God. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com. So Zeal Blades uh, is coming out with a new set of blades. I thought this was kind of interesting. Zeal VLS. You see these, Justin? I'm curious. To, I want to know the technical. VLS? Well, that's what they're it's Zeal-VLS main blades, according to their website. I hear people saying they're like Velos or something. Yeah, that's what, and that's why I asked the question, because when I looked at it, I thought I saw Velos. Well, it says, so uh, Zeal-VLS main blades is a combination of Zeal Technic and Velos design to produce a high-end blade with a unique variable airfoil design. Excellent performance at at very high RPMs, but very stable at high speed flying and help reduces pitch up tendency. So this would suggest to me that these are speed blades. This is a really weird design. Without getting my hands on them and actually checking CG and looking at cords and stuff like that. It's hard to say. Uh, I mean, the first and most obvious feature that is not speed blade like is the full width tip. Yep. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm not sure exactly what they're targeting there. Um. Now maybe they've got some some stuff that's really difficult to see in a photo, especially on a white blade in a white background that you know, shows that the thickness or the cord does vary mm-hmm. over the length, but I'm I'm not seeing that in any of these photos. It's like but, it's not a <laughs> it's not a pullback tip design. It's like a pullback blade design. You see that? Oh uh, no, edge. I don't think I do so see that. So it looks like about two or three inches past the the root of the blade, the whole blade steps back. Oh, interesting. Which I missed that is not really anything. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, there are reasons to do that. I mean, they it looks like they've got a they've got a narrower is that it does it get does the it looks like it, increase? It, it looks the, like it does, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I this don't, is just a weird blade. Uh, I'm I'm very intrigued. Now I now I want to know more about these. I still maintain that from a overall perspective, there's something that I'm missing if they're supposed to be an actual speed blade. But well, it's the only thing that they advertise as far as like it says balance with the optimal center of gravity. Never brought forth to suit the man the demands of those in search of the extremes. It yeah. really does. The only thing that it references, as far as flying style, is super high RPM. That's it. And I, and now I you know I look at the picture and it does have that weird looking kink forward. I I think when it's on the heli. But when I look at the blades, just the blades themselves, I don't see it. Well, we'll see. Yeah, you know? this is interesting. I will look more into this. They aren't that expensive. No, they're not. That that I was about to say that. 700s for 100 bucks. 100 bucks, 95 bucks. That makes me a little nervous. Talking about spinning them fast, they better be good. So anyway, Gowie's got oh, another run. Some of these we had talked about before, but some more additional upgrades for the X3. They've got three blades. They've got boom covers. And it's funny because the person who sent me this link said, okay, go ahead and insert Goblin 380 joke here. They, re- <laughs> they really did kind of, I mean... It, <laughs> It's got a a very striking resemblance, resemblance. Yeah, yeah, to a Goblin 380. Even the little skids, and oh, yeah. Yep, pretty bad. Yeah, it does. But, you know, there's a lot of people flying the Gowies, and more options, the better. Right? But, dude, that that's, you know what I'm thinking, You, you I know you know what I'm thinking, is... uh. That even without the three blade head, that whole canopy plus skids plus boom cover could maybe even make the Gowie X3 competitive uh, against the Goblin yeah. 380. Now you're talking. Yeah. Oh, it always comes back to speed. Well, it doesn't make it any less. Speed's the thing, Dan. No, it's not. It's not. Well, okay. It is for me in one size class. So. I'll, I will allow it to in one size class. Let it be written. Let it be done. That's right. You won't see me flying speed any bigger than that. Dan, I know you're going to fly speed with your gasser, man. <laughs> yeah. 35 miles an hour. Yep. Hey, but you know what? It'll look freaking awesome doing it. It'll sound good, too. That's right. It'll sound like throwing a weed whacker across the field. Uh, It'll smell good, too. Smell like hot dogs. That's right. Hey, don't uh, knock the fuelies, man. There's someone over in Europe that's developing a fully fuselage nitro speed machine. Yeah, it'll be the slowest, fastest looking thing you've ever seen. It's all about the sound. <laughs> be like be like those Lamborghini kits that you could oh, yeah, put, dude, on, you a put it on like a Fiero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that little three cylinder motor. Oh there. my god. Yeah. Uh so speaking of the bump controller. The Android software is 
out now for it. Super cool. I mean, what? This is awesome. I just love it. They've got, uh, I got this email sent from Rev Electrics. Got some screenshots of it. You can get that today. Just search for Bump Controller on the Google Play App Store. Is it a Bluetooth controller as well? Ah, dang, man. That's a good question. Yes. Yes, it is. Bluetooth. Oh, he's like, oh. I do like that. I like it a lot. (laughs) Because you haven't even programmed yours yet, have you? No, I haven't. Nothing. Still in the box. Dude, I still have the PowerLab 8 and the Meanwhile charger in the case and the bump charger and all the little bumpies sitting in a box that need to be. Oh, Dan. I I got it. Dude, I've got my other charging case with two 306s in there, man. You know. I don't know. It just seemed like a good idea to buy it. It was. Now use it. (laughs) I will eventually. Put the time in. I don't have any uh, electric helicopters that are, you know, that I'm flying. Still, you will. Possibly. Five, five, Send it to me. Send it to you. Yeah, well, we've seen what you do, the stuff that he sends to you. (laughs) You blow that shit up, man. Hey, speaking of sending shit to me, where's my 33 bucks? (laughs) I told you where your 33 bucks is. sons of bitches. Don't don't you laugh, Nick. You're just as bad. <laughs> you know you, this man, is over. A, this almost a year, dude. Dude, thirty three dollars in pennies, loose pennies. Loose. When? At Othello. Are like, you are you serious? You're going to bring yeah. it. Thirty three dollars in pennies, loose okay. pennies. Yeah, I'm okay Probably with in loose a burlap pennies, sack. Dude. I'm good with that too. Where do you even get a burlap sack anymore? It's funny you mentioned that. I was down He's in at, Montana, dude. I was down at a ranch supply store and I was getting pellets for my stove, and they had a pallet, I guess for potatoes. I potato bags. They had a whole. There must have been thousands of them in there. Yeah, a burlap a ranch sack. supply store. Yeah, yeah, for bagging up potatoes, man. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, burlap sack, bitch. Cool. Well, that's all I got for news. Like 60 pounds of pennies. (laughs) Yeah, dude. That's that much. I'll take it. (laughs) This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com for superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money back guarantee. That's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.superiority.com or www.dudemanlarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out. With all the different retailers out there, it can be hard to decide where you want to spend your heli money. Ken over at Lower Heli helps make that decision a little easier for you, though. With amazing prices every day, great customer service, and fast shipping, you don't have to worry about bouncing around anymore. 
Go visit Ken at www.lowerheli.com and fill that shopping cart with the confidence that you're getting the best prices backed by amazing support. Head on over to www.lowerheli.com and fly lower. We got something cool coming up. It's been a while. But before we do that, I want to share one quick little story with you guys. It's a planker story. We love those, right? Of yep. course. So at work, we're, we've been uh, test flying at a local AMA chartered club. And I've flown there before. I did a heli clinic out there once. And um, typically, I, I'm actually quite surprised on how active this is with these old plankers. And, typically, and most of the time, you know, we go, I send the test guys out in the morning. I come out for a little while and then go back to the shop. And they're, you know, they're pretty nice guys. They come over, they, they chat for a minute. And so the guys show up the other day, uh, must've been Tuesday or Wednesday. And, um, a guy that we hadn't seen before, uh, was there. <laughs> and the first thing, as soon as they pulled up, <clears throat> they, they started unloading their gear, the generator and, you know, the, all the stuff they have guy walks over. And he doesn't say hi. He doesn't say, hey, my name's Dick. He doesn't do anything. He just says, you guys stay out of our way. It turns around and walks away. He says wow. that to you? I wasn't there, luckily. I, I had not shown up yet. The guys just showed up and they were getting set up. <laughs> And I was like, oh, man, it's probably a good thing I wasn't there because I'm thinking to myself, we are club members. We pay just as much. I, is, I, should, I would have said something like, so, oh, is there a, there's two levels of membership here. The one where you get to use the facilities and the one where you stay out of the way. <laughs> anyway, you got to love Dude, those Dude, what That's the all he hell? said. That's all he said. He didn't say hi or bye or, you know. Make some small talk and then just say, oh, you know, I'd really appreciate it if you guys could, you know, keep an eye on the pattern, you know, kind of, you know, no. What a G-bag. I know, right? Just typical old guy, old crusty old guy with a flannel shirt, you know, just. Damn them flannel shirts. <laughs> I know, right? God damn him. Anyway, yeah, that was a fun little story. So, but now that we got that out of the way. Um, every so often, and as we talk about it, it's about, it seems like once a year, Bert Cameron shows up, right? Kind of lets us know what's going on. Yeah. It's kind of fun. So he stopped by and chatted for a little while. We didn't really, no, didn't really stop by. I guess he logged on his Skype and talked with us. But anyway, so we're going to find out what he's been up to, what he thinks about uh, the current state of the hobby, that kind of stuff. We're going to play that right now. We'll be back. Do you wish there was a fly barless system that could make you throw down like a pro? Well, now there is. The Spartan Vortex Fly Barless System is offering some of the most advanced features seen on the market today, making sure that you'll be flying like a pro in no time. So what are you waiting for? Go and get your Vortex Fly Barless System today. 
Results may vary based on pitch, response time, age, head speed, brand of heli, time of the year, crash budget, number of friends cheering you on, size of helicopter, temperature, wind, servos, weight of heli, willingness to take risks. Contact your favorite hobby shop about getting your Spartan Flybarless system today. For more information, check out www.bkdesignsllc.com. Here, guys. What's up, dude? Yeah. Hi, What's happening, guys? How you been? It's been a long time. It has yes. been a long time. Where have you been, you son of a bitch? I have been uh, just been. I've uh, just been. What You've been can I bouncing say? Bouncing off trees yeah. and roads and stuff. <laughs> uh, actually, it wasn't a tree. It was kind of a road. But yeah, bouncing off yeah. roads and doing my normal everyday thing. Awesome. Awesome. We're glad to see you're healing up. I saw a Facebook post the other day. Yeah, looks like things you. are going well. It's slow, off? dude. It's slow. It's slow. It's like when you get old, shit doesn't happen that quickly anymore. So <laughs> well, that's why we but, can't uh, let Nick drink anymore. Yep. Well, this is very, very true. This is very true. <laughs> so what's going on, man? What have you been up to? Uh, same old stuff, dude. Just uh, typical everyday stuff. Uh, working on a few new things. Uh, keeping up with what I've got. Trying to somehow find ways for the hobby not to die on us. And uh, I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor that um, you might be designing a plank, some kind of a plank of some kind. I know how much you love them. No, 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 no. Actually, I do like. Come on, man! Don't even call it. Why do you call it a plank? Are you going to make me pull a clip? (laughs) What really? Why? Why? Why do you call it? (laughs) Wait a minute. Do you have a historical clip of that, Dan? I don't. I don't have one ready, but I know which episode it was. It was on the first version of RC Heli Nation. I used that word. Really? You're like, I'm not going to fly a plank. I have no desire to ever fly a plank. No desire. No, I really don't. I don't have a desire to fly a plank. I, I agree with you, but I'm not like against them. But yeah, they're planks. You're right. No, I mean, in all seriousness, I, you guys, you guys know I, 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 I do everything in the hobby, dude. Like I don't really have any animosity towards any anything within the hobby. I get run bored for with some pretty things. Soon, like, what's that? You you getting ready to run for office? That's pretty politically. Politically, it's, uh, it's politically correct, but at the same sure. time, I really, I, I do enjoy the. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't care for flying airplanes anymore. But I mean, I have to be honest. I started with airplanes. I just, sure. I don't yeah. have an interest in them anymore. Um, huh. I don't have an interest in a lot of hobby related things. I don't have an interest in flying a DJI freaking Phantom around the block. No, sorry, or ride or driving an RC car. Although I could see how an RC car could be very exciting too. I mean, everything, I don't know. Everything has its own, you know. <laughs> well, I've also noticed that your, your servos have been creeping, creeping their way into other aspects of the hobby as well. I've seen them in cars and planes and all that kind of stuff. So you kind of can't completely shun it. No, no. I, and I, I, like I said, I, I don't, I don't have an interest, but that doesn't mean that I can't appreciate. I mean, Honestly, the planks is what got me into helicopters indirectly because that's what got me into the hobby. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I can't I can't diss it. But yeah, there's a couple of people here and there that have kind of shown an interest in uh, using the servos and other things. Like we have a team member, James Fanhook, that's uh, uh, he's on the heli team, of course. But he's a very hardcore car guy. Like he's been doing. He's one of those guys that really, truly is a hobbyist. Man, he 
he does everything cars planes helis you name it and uh he just tried one of the servos in one of his buggies and he really liked it so he's not at the national you know competition level but he's he's really good into the sort of regional southeast area and uh people see him run you know the servos in his buggies he took first place actually at a competition like last weekend i think it was the people yeah, see him nice. run the servos and they start asking and so some of the car guys are starting to develop an interest so i mean you know why not so it's it's uh starting to you know i'm kind of starting to work a little bit on that side as well just trying to kind of do something for those guys you know something more specific to their their you know their cars and stuff like that so um Hell yeah, i think dude. it's i think it's cool you know it's it's a servo is a servo so why not why yeah, not, why not make right it? yeah exactly so next next sector of the rc hobby sailboats dude Oh, dude. Because your like, tail servo will whip the they, shit out of that rudder paddle. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you can Boy. almost steer it back and forth fast enough and make the sailboat go. Yeah, you don't even need you don't even need any sails, dude. <laughs> Just jiggle the stick. <laughs> jiggle, 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 jiggle. <laughs> High voltage, baby. Yeah. Oh, shit. Make sure you so get you a mentioned, powerful uh, BEC for that one too. You mentioned something about uh, you mentioned something about reviving this hobby of ours. What what uh, what were you alluding to? What do you mean, like revive? No, I said to trying to yeah, trying to keep trying to keep the hobby like you know trying to I don't know uh, trying to figure out what's happening. I guess that that should have been the proper way to. Phrase I can that. tell you what's happening. You tell me. Yeah, the big, the uh, you know, Uncle Sam looking over the shoulder is just going to shove it right up all of our asses. That's what's happening. Just, just a quick synopsis. Uh, I, I agree, and and I also disagree. Like, I, I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not happy about this. Pardon my French bullshit. I think it's ridiculous. But on the other hand, there's certainly. At least I can see a decline in the whole hobby. Like I don't see as many people at events anymore. Yeah. There's not, there aren't that many events anymore, really. To be honest, I mean, a lot of the, I, I don't know. It's just, it seems like it's just going down. But interesting, it's interesting that, like, I, I, I don't see it happening, like overseas as much as I see it happening in the U.S. So, so that kind of that, I mean, that makes you sort of right. In a certain kind of way, Dan, because like, I, well, I, don't, I don't, I don't know. Too well, to be fair, too, I think we, uh, as a hobby, started talking about that decline before all this FAAMA bullshit. You know what I mean? I mean, it was yeah. not much before, but I think over the last couple of years, you know, we've kind of been mentioning it, talking about it, feeling it more than anything. You yeah, know, that's subjective. a fair point, Dan. Even I think as far back as when we went to Urcha, what was that in 2014? Yeah. I, I don't remember much about the whole FAA thing back then, but I do remember hearing people, oh, yeah, the 2014 Urcha wasn't as big as 2013. But isn't that kind of natural well, anytime you have something balloon? I mean, it just, it, dude, it, it went well, from like long stay. Bert, you know, you've been in it. Longer yeah, than yeah, all yeah. of us. It was pretty long and steady for a long time, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, the growth I saw, you know, from the time I started to get into into the hobby as a, as a I don't want to say career because that sounds kind of stupid. But <laughs> from the time I turned this sort of like into, in, into my in, 
started making a living in, in the hobby to to now yeah i mean there's been an incredible growth crap i mean you know back in like 2005 or whatever compared to like 2010 it was like it, it quadrupled i mean it, it was crazy you know um and now it seems to be dipping but i mean i don't know it i i think that I honestly blame, you know, I think the regulations have something to do with it, but I also blame it on multi-rotors. I really do. I mean, multi-rotors piss me off. There's there's different categories of multi-rotors, in my opinion. Like, uh, the, the ready-to-fly turnkey multi-rotor is what I blame all this on. You know what I mean? The people oh, I that, get you. <laughs> the people that are racing quads, like FPV racing, I don't think that's by any means responsible for what's happening to helicopters. Because those guys need to learn a lot before, I mean, there's a learning curve. I think what's happening is we're just missing that new fresh blood joining the hobby. And the reason for that is, you know, if you if you think about it, and I just think and think about this all the time, like even up until what, three years, two, three, five, four years ago, if you wanted something that hovered, you had to go to a hobby shop and you got you had to get hooked up somehow. You had to go to a club or you went to a hobby shop and you're like, hey, you know, I want to learn to fly a helicopter. And like they would sell you, I don't know, a blade or any, you know, something. And you would fly it. You would crash it, fly it, crash it. You go back to the hobby shop or you joined a club. Somebody helped you. Next thing you know, you had a 450, then you had a, then all the way to a 700 within a couple of years and you were hooked. You know what I mean? Now you don't need that. You can bypass the hobby shop very easily. You can go to Best Buy or even GameStop is selling these stupid things nowadays, you know, at the mall. And you can buy something that you push the button, it flies itself, it lands by your feet, and you're like, whoa, this is so cool. And you do that, I don't know, for two, three weeks or three months, and eventually there's no challenge, there's nothing, the stupid thing sits in a closet, or you sell it on eBay or whatever, and that's it. You, you're the guy that completely bypassed the hobby from beginning to end. You never went to a hobby shop. You never joined a club. You never got AMA. You never knew what the hobby was all about, and you just came and went. Whereas before, you would have had to get into the hobby somehow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, well, don't, that's, don't you that's think, though, Bert, that to a certain extent, like, so I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of people out there that did that, but I almost kind of look at it as it could it could help the hobby from a standpoint of being a gateway model, because if you do fly it and you're like, oh, that's cool. It's just like progression in any other hobby. You want to do more. You want to do bigger, more expensive, more complex. And I got to believe that the only two paths starting in multi-rotors are FPV racing or helicopters. Because yeah. you're not going to hover in your living room for the rest of your life. Here, I, you know what? I think uh, to an extent you're correct. But I, I, again, and I got chastised for, for saying this last time, but I'm going to say it again because I completely believe it to be true. A lot of these guys got into this DJI shit with grandeurs of starting businesses. And they realized either, A, it's it's a little more difficult because when you're flying around houses, you actually have to have a little bit of skill, right? Because you don't want to crash into anything. And so along those lines, they buy the machine thinking they're going to do this, that, and the other, and they're going to go down and make 
you know, 150 bucks to give uh, 20 pitchers to some realtor, right? And they realize they don't have the skill to do it, and so it again sets back onto the onto the shelf. But it's the same thing. They come and they're gone. They've not paid attention, like Bert said, to the AMA. They've not paid attention. Uh, they have they have no invested interest in the hobby, so they don't give a shit, right? About what 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 effect they're doing, or you know what effect they may have on the hobby. So I, yeah, I still they're think using a it as these, a tool, Dan. Right? Like they think they they think they are. Right, but, I think but also, part of the hobby, but, uh, a big portion of the hobby for us is the actual models, not just flying them, but you know, tinkering and tweaking on them and stuff like that. These guys and, pick and, it and, up and, and they're and, like, "I need and, the quickest way to take a picture." That that's that's a very valid point, and everybody within the modeling, the I would I can't compare to planes because I'm not into that segment of the hobby heavily, but I, I see that overall, like the helicopter guy has become lazy and you know the new generation helicopter pilot is not what the old generation was you know the the kids you know that's another thing i mean all the kids are coming dude i mean like by goblin you guys you guys have built like goblins t-rexes whatever any of the modern kids you know you just open the box read the manual and you got a ready to fly machine i mean back in the day we had to freaking dial indicate stuff and like <laughs> resize bowl links. I mean, that was, it was a pain in the ass, but it was, it was a cool part of the hobby. It, ma- it really made you a, a mechanic and made you a modeler. Um, I think overall people are just getting lazier and lazier. You know, the setups are easier. The, the flight controllers allow you to like, just plug it, you know, plug your stuff in and like push a few things, buttons or whatever, or you dial your radio here or there, or use a data pot or a, V controller or whatever and and just go and fly it's just it's it's gotten a lot easier um it, it there's the easier things get the less uh challenging they become well, so less invested people are in it when you yeah. spend a week building a machine like you back in the day like you said Bert, when you had to dial indicate uh you know your clutches and stuff like that um you're invested in it because you've spent a week uh, every evening after work and, you know, you want to progress with it. You know, it's uh, it's a big part of the hobby back when we actually had to build machines. I'm not, you know, obviously people are still building machines, but like you said, there's a, it's just a lot easier these days. Yeah. And, and again, you know, when these guys that, that really, you know, I started helicopters because I want it. I, I was I wasn't thinking 3D at the time. I could give a shit about. I didn't even know what 3D was all about. There was no real 3D, but I started helis because I wanted to. I wanted something that could hover. I wanted something that I could just take off in a relatively small area and fly around without having to like, you know, go to a, a per se a, a club where there was enough room to bring my old plane and like take off and fly. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I got into helis. And I think a lot of these guys, again, they just want something that hovers. They think it's cool. And they just go and buy a quote-unquote drone. And, and either they do it because they, they, they want something that flies, and, but they, you know, it's the easy way, into, easy way to get into this sort of thing. Or they do it like Dan's saying. It's because they think, oh, you know, we can make money out of this and blah, blah, blah. And neither neither one of those two things work because they just don't have the knowledge and the experience to make 
to make money at it. And, and when it comes to the hobby side of things, they get it, like I said, and they get bored. And a lot of times they don't pursue it any further because they, why would they? I mean, they don't know what's behind all this. They don't, if, if you're not exposed to going to a hobby shop or going to a club and like talking to people that are flying helis, you're not going to know what this is all about. If you're just going because you want to buy a drone that flies, you're going to get bored very soon. There's no, there's no, I don't know. There's nothing exciting about it. It just, it's cool if you've never done it for a couple of flights. And then after that, it's like, what else? You know? Yeah. I, I, I got, I got one more conspiracy theory on all of this. And I think that it's also partly the, the, the sort of loss or the downturn in helis is because if you take a step back and look at all of the other hobbies out there, the RC heli community is the only one that truly lacks uh, widespread competition. Think about it. Cars, yeah, yeah. That's boats, fair. planes. Uh, and, I mean, and, it's, and, and you know what? And it seems like whatever competitions were left are pretty much done too. It seems it keeps getting worse and worse. Well, and we've talked about this before because it's the, the it's all subjective judging. It's so difficult. I mean, I would not I would not want that job. Cars are easy. It's whoever crosses the finish line first. Same with same with the FPV thing. And, and well, Nick, I, the interesting I, thing too is think about so hold that thought, uh Justin. Like think about the subjective subjective uh, uh judging there are ways to make it less subjective if you like come up with a more you know a, a better structure with no maneuvers and things like that but then it becomes the most boring thing to watch yeah and so like so you either have excitement or you have complete boring stuff that that might be uh, more suitable for judging but when you have a car racing or, or or FPV race, at least there's a racing element in it that makes yeah. it more exciting to a degree. Yeah, multiple. You know? You're watching FPV racing would be pain would be just as boring if you were flying one person at a time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great yeah. actually comparison. If you were doing yeah. FPV racing with one person at a time, it would be exact. Ugh. It would be horrible. Just like, and it'd be like timing you. Okay, we're gonna time you now, Nick. Yeah, uh, and then Justin. Okay, no, Justin, you were two seconds uh, slower. Like that would be terrible. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. No whole shots. No whole shots. No, no, no shake and bake. No, no rubbing, racing. Yeah, I agree. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm just hoping that this thing's just gonna. We'll see what happens, but I have hope that it's just a, a down in the ups and downs of the whole thing. I mean, it happens, you know, like you guys said, there's there's always a cycle to everything. Mm -hmm. And after, like you said, I think it was you, Nick, that said it after. I mean, it, it's grown so much that it can only go down. You know what I mean? It, it, it would be extremely strange if it just kept going exponentially like it did, you know, for several years in a row. Yeah, I, it, I, I don't. I don't see how that could happen. Maybe so. that's why I'm a little more optimistic than some people. But I just like any time you have something that's steady for a long time, a sudden massive growth, this huge inflation, it's gonna mm -hmm. go back down. But where what I look at is, is it going down below what it was before the growth? And I still see growth from there. 
So as long, you know, now it's just uh, hopefully it just goes back to growing at a much more steady pace. And then it's going to take a while to recoup those. (laughs) There's my air quotes, good people in the hobby. You know, the guys back in the day that that were very knowledgeable about their models, that were true artists at what they did because they were willing to put in the time and the dedication. Those guys are a lot, you know, a lot fewer, uh, a lot few and far in between there because it's, everything was just instant gratification over the last couple of years. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I hope that those people, uh, my hope is that they're just standing back being quiet right now. Mm-hmm. And then once it kind of dies back down, they'll come back in. They'll start getting back into their hobby that it was before the crazy boom start. And then we can just continue on with a more reasonable growth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I hope that's the case. I hope so. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Me too. But uh, <clears throat> the only thing that I can think that would affect that adversely is is the you know i mean there's there's external forces and i'm not talking about the economy i mean there are there are stronger external forces that we typically wouldn't see in a a true you know cyclic nature of any particular yeah um, and you're you're talking about the faa yeah i mean there's forces there that i mean just today just for no particular reason, I was taking a break at work and I was just pump, uh, fumbling through, I think it was an AMA blog. God, it might even have been a Facebook. But more and more people are, I mean, you just see it. And I don't know if they're well, blankers. I don't know what they are. But it's like, yeah, well, it was a fun ride for 15 years, you know, but I guess it's time to move on to another hobby. You know, I'm just well, seeing a lot more of that shit. Like, people, don't people give up are- yet. People are also exaggerating. Like, I- I'm not going to give up. I agree. Uh, it, it's people, I think, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not happy about it. I think it's a crock of shit. I, I, but I think it's also, the, it's because of the media. It's because of, again, companies like DJI. Um, and I, I, don't, I can't blame them directly. It's not really their fault. But products like, like turnkey push button sort of products have created this ridiculous sort of like, media frenzy about quote-unquote drones and you know the feds obviously start to develop an interest that they never had and you know and in and small rc stuff and and now you know who knows what these regulations will end up doing to us and if they pass but i agree that's gonna that's gonna hurt us big time that's gonna hurt the hobby as a whole i mean planes helis quads racing quads, anything you name it anything that flies so i mean i don't want to i don't want to think the worst but i i think that at, to some degree they're gonna really they're gonna really really put a put a hurt on us um if, well, if know, they pass some of these things and and part of the the big issue and you you, you touched on it briefly was uh the, the kind of the media the way they report this shit like the drone here yeah. last week that hit the British airway that turned out to be uh, a plastic a plastic bag. bag. Come on. Yeah. You, yep. you know, everything's I mean, a drone now. Everything is bird strike. Yeah. It was a drone. Yeah. 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 I mean, they came to, they came to the Orlando blowout this past year, uh, a local TV station and all they reported on were the quote unquote drones. And these guys are just doing FPV races. It's like, really? I mean, 
it's just it's it's just this uh, media it's killing everything for everybody it's just ma- they're making such a big deal out of all this um because it's sensational you know it's ratings that's all it is but you know so what I, I think oh you got one more point there justin I, I i do i it's actually a question dan because i mean Bert, you you've got sort of a unique perspective compared to a lot of our other interview uh, people in that you've been not just in the hobby, but you've been on the company side of it. Right. Whether it be, uh, you know, retail hobby shop or um, design of the models or other equipment and now your own stuff with blades and servos. What's your take on the FAA's insistence on putting design and build manufacturing standards on these hobby companies. What as a as a business owner in the hobby, what does that mean to you? Is that is that as concerning to you as it is to us who are not behind the scenes and all of that stuff? Well, of course, absolutely. Um, I mean, <laughs> that could affect me. Uh, my business drastically depending on, you know, where this really goes. Yeah. I think it's, I think where the problem, I think the problem is, is the FAA is, is still insists in confusing the hobby segment with what Dan was talking about. The guy that goes to buy this thing, thinking he's going to make money and go out there and start shooting pictures and hovering the stupid thing, you know, on top of a heavy interstate. That's the problem. The problem is like it, it, it's all bureaucracy, like anything else. But I, I feel like, I feel like for some reason the FAA is not paying much attention to the AMA, and I feel like, like the FAA for some reason should be a little bit more um, realistic about the fact that there are people that are true hobbyists that are serious about the hobby itself that are going to go to you know, sanctioned clubs and that are going to follow the rules and that are going to, you know, do the proper thing, do the right thing. Um, and they're just sort of like seeing everything as, 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 uh, as they're, 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 they're comparing all this various different kinds of RC things. Uh, they're putting them in the same category. That's what I'm trying to say, where I feel like there's two clear, clearly defined. There's two different categories. Oh yeah. There's you know, there's there's the hobby model and then there's the commercial model or there's the hobby model and then there's the model that not necessarily is designed to be a commercial for commercial use but that could use could be used for commercial a commercial purpose. And you know, if, if you belong to an organization like the AMA and you're registered with them and you're paying an annual fee um and and you belong to a club and and you're flying your your model inside this you know in this club property that is also ma sanctioned and insured and so forth then i don't think that any of these faa regulations should apply to you that's my opinion why should they you know this all started because of fpv that's why it started because remote feed because people were flying you know out of sight way out there and uh you know on top you know on top of property on top of you know hovering over people like this is what started all this thing the faa shouldn't confuse that audience with us i feel like we're a different we're a different crowd absolutely we we are i mean you betcha we are and you know many people are concerned about like say 
RC stuff flying high and so forth. If you fly at a sanctioned club and that club has been sanctioned by the AMA, the AMA are supposed to be lobbyists for us. They're supposed to help us with these things. I feel like the, for some reason, the FAA is really not giving a crap about the AMA. And, and so they're looking at everything that flies RC as like the same category. Everybody needs to abide by these new stupid rules and everything has to be regulated in the same fashion. And I strongly disagree with that. Why can't we just divide it with camera and no camera? Why is that, that, that difficult? That's a good point. That's a very, I mean, that's GPS, no GPS. Yeah, it's very simple. Or yeah, GPS, no GPS. There you go. But even then, I mean, if you want someone so that someone can look at it and inspect it, well, it's not all that bright, just camera or not. I mean, I would say camera and or GPS, one or the other or both. No, no, I need to know how fast I'm flying. So GPS needs to stay off that hit list. Well, uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, just but there's GPS a, off. Well, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but regardless of what they use as a guideline, I think that. You can't put a DJI Inspire or a DJI Phantom in the same category as you're putting a, a Goblin 700. I, I just think it's stupid to even consider that thought. You know, um, people should not be flying. You know, if the FAA want, wants to really uh, make things difficult for us, that's okay as long as it's done within reason. You know, I don't see an issue with people not being allowed. I would hate for this to happen, but I could understand if they said, listen, you cannot fly in any public park, in public, anywhere. You have to fly at an AMA sanctioned field. I don't see an issue with that. I mean, it's a pain because many park flyers like to go to their local park and fly their little foamies. And I still don't think that's much of a, an issue there. But, but I could understand if something like that were to happen. I could live with that. But to regulate everything that is being manufactured and sold. Um, and, and, and that's going to be again, flown in a private club that is AMA sanctioned is, is beyond belief to me. It's just ridiculous to me. It makes absolutely no sense. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one there. I, I, it, it's government stuff, man. And they seem to come up with new ideas. Like every few months, it doesn't, nothing really happens, but you know how that is. It might take a few years to happen, but when it happens, I think it'll hurt us big time if it goes if, if it goes in this direction it's headed towards right now. Well, it yep. passed the Senate ninety-five to three. Yep, so. it sure did. Yeah. But What's Dan, that? it only it cost the five Senate bucks. ninety-five to three. Yeah, yep. The latest round. I mean, it's still got more rounds to go through. It's you know, it's got to go through a couple more revisions, but. Didn't cost me dilly shit. Didn't cost me anything either. It only cost five bucks. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway. It's enough doom and gloom, damn it. It is. You guys are downers tonight, man. You know, (laughs) the extent, I mean, does anybody know the extent of what they're trying to regulate when it comes to manufacturing? No. I've not heard anything about that. They're just saying more stringent design and manufacturing guideline or standards for because there's a big problem with that now well yeah. they so think that do? that's their way of ensuring yeah. that it'll be safe no it's not it's just their way of putting a big enough dent to make people quit and do something else yeah well what they're going to do is they're going to get some egghead 
that doesn't know how to design a helicopter telling real helicopter designers how to do it. Yeah, this is true. That's what they're going to end up with. This is true. I mean, I could see why they would want they would want more reliable. But again, camera, no camera. You know, right now talking about cameras and FPV. I mean, I, I don't know about the commercial stuff, but the hobby stuff like that people are using for FPV racing itself is so damn unreliable and it's so crappy. It just sucks. You know, failure rate is like in the ten to twenty percent range. It's just stupid. It's just it's so bad. And, and, you know, I could see how they could impose regulations to where like electronics need to meet a certain criteria, you know, and be a little bit more reliable. I could see that kind of stuff, but I don't know what they could do in terms of designs, the actual design of a frame when it comes to like a helicopter or, or an airplane or a quad. I mean, what, well, what know, could they change there? It's just power no to sense. weight regulations. Hell yeah, no. Helicopters don't need to fly inverted. Come on, man. No. Be reasonable here. All they have to do to figure out how safe it is is to watch someone beat the piss out of it in hardcore 3D. When shit's not flying off of it, anyone <laughs> yeah. with half a brain should be able to figure out and you know, it's, it's a funny. pretty damn good design. <laughs> Justin, yeah. and it's funny, but if you, I don't know when the last time you were flying a helicopter with somebody who's never experienced one, but the last time I did that recently with some guys at work, they're like, I can't believe that thing doesn't just blow up. Yeah. How oh, does it dude, stay together? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Oh, just all we can do is sit and watch and wait and see what happens and uh, hope that uh, it's really not going to hurt us in the long run. I really hope that something happens with the AMA and the FAA and they can be, you know, the, F, the AMA can just. I don't know, convince or lobby on our behalf to, to at least get us to, to this place where we could have our little sort of safety area within the hobby to where we can operate, you know, um, under certain circumstances without having to be under the umbrella of these crazy restrictions. Agreed. <clears throat> Agreed. So, yeah, we'll see. So, that bullshit, let's get off that topic. Yeah. What do you think? Let's find out what you're up to, man. What, uh, what's going on? What do you, I mean, uh, are, you, are we here? Are you here to talk about something in particular tonight? You got some, uh, you know, inside information? Something no. cool? No, uh, not really. Not I really. We'll talk to you later then. <laughs> I've been trying. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to get my arm healed, and so with that being said, I haven't been able to fly for what two plus months. Um, uh, I think- the only, huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I started flying about three weeks ago, but the only way that I can fly is by sitting down. So with that being said, I've been doing a lot of FPV just because, <laughs> just because. I love it terror. so much. Well, somebody told me I was a little event at Torches like two weeks ago. And a buddy of mine is like, why don't you fly? I actually flew my heli. That was the first time I flew my heli like standing up. And like it hurts to grab the right. Ra- like even though I use the neck strap, it's just the angle I have to get on my on my left wrist i don't have the wrist mobility yet and it hurts so it's it's kind of hard to like you know gra- hold on to the radio even if it's on a neck strap just to get the right angle on my hand to let yeah. you know the way i'm used to holding the radio sort of thing and this buddy of mine is like why don't you just like sit down and fly i'm like dude i will never sit down and fly a helicopter 3d in front of me i'm not that freaking stupid never so so i've been doing fpv in the meantime in my house yeah but uh, 
yeah, just been screwing around a little bit with uh, FBV racing stuff and uh, just waiting for my arm to get better so I can get back into standing up with confidence in front of my helicopter. So, so I think um, you'd have to be living in a box if you hadn't heard about Bert's accident. But uh, what what happened there, man? What was going on? What were you uh, What were you doing? I, uh, you know, we 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 live. You know, we purchased uh, a new home about a year ago out in the the woods, like about thirty minutes from Orlando or forty minute, forty five minutes from Orlando, and uh, it's, it's a relatively large piece of property. It's not huge, but it's close to ten acres. So I have this little side-by-side ATV sort of thing. It's it's a uh, yes. It's just that's what it is. It's a, I guess it's called a side-by-side, and uh, um, you know I use it for all kinds of chores around you know the house, taking the trash out, doing all these things. I was setting up like uh, I, I really don't want to spoil it because I think I'll still get that that video done. But I was just working on some things around the house, uh, around the the yard. Um, to to do a video um helicopter related not fpv for the record and uh mm-hmm. and then i was just holding ass on this thing like an idiot without my you know i wasn't wearing my seat belt and i you know i this thing comes with these doors and these like safety nets and i removed them because i use it in my like my own property and i never go very fast it you know you go pretty slow most of the time but this one time i was just kind of like in a hurry because i was running out of light and i i was about to start shooting that first part of the video and I just was going a little bit too fast and uh I have had a couple of uh, too many adult beverages and uh <laughs> I just oh, I went no. I I went to make a right turn and I I guess before I could even freaking blink that thing just rolled on me really violently towards the left side like towards the driver's side and uh you know, everybody says, well, why would you get your hands off the thing? Like, if you're going to roll, you need to keep your arms and your feet and your hand. Yeah, okay. Inside. Yeah, okay. Good luck. When you feel like your head is going to hit the freaking pavement. because I was stop th- it. Yeah, it happened right as I was crossing my driveway. So, I think what happened was the, the, the wheels caught a lot of traction as I was crossing the driveway. And that's when it, like, flipped. And so, when I felt my head was about to hit the ground. I just reached out with my arm and the roll cage just pinned my arm against the pavement and just dragged it about, I don't know, 25 feet. So, so there I am like, like now I'm like pinned under this roll cage. This thing weighs like, I think like 15 or 1600 pounds. And uh, I'm like pinned right there. And Kyle Stacy was staying at my house for a couple of weeks at the time. So next thing I know, Kyle comes running and like he grabs the freaking roll cage and he lifts the thing from under me, like single handed, dude, 1500 pounds. This kid is a freaking animal. Damn, dude. It's like the incredible Hulk. Did his shirt split open? No shit. Did it turn green? Like, I honestly think that the kid had so much adrenaline pumping because he was scared. Like he got scared. I mean, it looked pretty bad. So anyway, he gets the thing you know, lifts the thing up and, uh, I come in the house and I have all this incredible road rash on, on top of my arm. And, uh, you know, it hurts obviously a lot, but at this point, I don't know that I have any broken bones. So first thing, you know, when I was a kid, I used to do motocross and, you know, I've always wiped out, you know, it wrote rash many times. So first thing I do is like, I want to clean this thing. So I come in the house 
open the water in the sink, hot water, and I start washing, washing the road rash. And everybody's like, you're crazy. And Susie's like, we need to take you to the hospital. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And as I'm washing, as I'm washing my arm, I guess, like the bone was broken, but it hadn't displaced. So as I was washing my arm, I felt this like loud sort of like cracking sound. Yeah. And then like, I could see the bone kind of sticking out of the side. So I was like, yeah, we need to go to hospital. (laughs) Oh, dude. So I went to the hospital. They let me in through emergency immediately. And uh, of course, they wanted all kinds of different tests because I had a pretty bad laceration on my head, too. So you know how it goes. All kinds of tests like this, got scan this and x-ray this. I'm like, I just my only problem is my arm. No, we got to do this. We got to do that. So you know how that goes. It was like four hours of all kinds of tests. And then at the end, yeah, yeah, you have a pretty bad fracture. Only way to fix it is surgery. You need a plate and six screws. I'm like, okay. So they wouldn't let me go home. They admitted me into the hospital, put me into a room. Next morning by 10 a.m., I'm being taken to the OR, had surgery, came out of the OR, spent another second night at the hospital, and then and then was allowed home. So, but uh, yeah, it was a pretty crappy situation. So, um, and then, you know, it, obviously they put a cast on you after the surgery, um, and the issue was like all the road rash from underneath. So, dude, they put this anti-stick sort of solution and then they put this little pad and then they put the and then they put the cast on top so i had to go once a week every week to have the cast removed all this stuff removed the thing cleaned up and then put a new cast on and every time it sucked because this anti-stick is my ass all that stuff starts (laughs) to heal dude and it starts to stick to all the gauze and everything oh man Every time they had to remove that, it was like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, so, yeah. So it was, it. it was pretty bad. But uh, how, when did that happen? Because it's been a while. That happened February 15th. It's been a okay. little over two months. So um, I had to cast finally. Well, the last few weeks, they allowed me to use a, uh, finally, the doctor said, listen, like, I want that road rash to, to, to clear up. Like, you, your skin needs to start healing. And if we keep it covered, and definitely it's not gonna, it's not gonna start healing correctly. So it's like normally I would leave the cast for at least six to eight weeks, but I'm gonna remove the cast, and I'm gonna have you wear like a brace, uh, that like a removable sort of like a like a brace, like a splint, whatever you call it. Right. So so that when I'm home, I can remove it all and let that wound sort of like air. Oh. But then he's like, when you leave the house, just do the whole thing, dress it all up, and put your brace back on and then go like that so i was like that for the last three four weeks or whatever and this past uh wednesday i went for another x-ray everything seemed good he's like you don't need to wear that anymore so now i need to start physical therapy so but like the the road rash wound is healed this just looks like crap it's not you know the skin is not totally regenerated but it's not it's not bleeding it's not oozing it's, it's new skin you know yeah. so um other than that, I mean, it, it'll get there. It's just, you know, it's a slow process, but it's been two months. Yeah. So I'm sure that in another two or three months, it'll be 90%. And PT is a painful process as well. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to do it many years ago on my foot. I broke my ankle when I was like 16 years old, fell off a freaking bike to try, trying to do motocross. I guess I sucked at it. And, <laughs> and, I, and I went through a similar 
similar experience. I have like six screws, one long nail and like a plate or something in my ankle and my my tibia. So I had to go through uh, PT back in those days. It, it sucks. It really, it's just, it's just annoying. And, you know, there's a lot of things that you take for granted that you do every day with your hands that, you know, when you can't do them the same way, it just, it gets to you. It just gets really aggravating, but it'll get there. It's just, just, just needs a little more time. Yeah. It's way better. Like now I can wrench again. I can, um, I've been doing a little bit of flying. Um, I mean, I, I'm doing a lot more things now, so I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not supposed to lift heavy weights or do certain things like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to where I was as far as doing my everyday life, you know? So it's a good thing. And it was your left arm, right? <clears throat> left arm. Thank God, man. If it would have been the right, it would have sucked horrible because I'm right-handed. So, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, but geez, anyway, man. stop doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, right, you're, now you're, you're too old for that. So like, so I got back from the hospital two days later and Kyle Stacy was here and uh and he's like dude are you gonna sell the thing i'm like you're freaking crazy you're stupid i'm like i'm gonna ride it right now so i sat on the stupid thing and rode it all around the house just to fuck with kyle <laughs> i'm like dude you gotta get back on that horse as soon as possible I, i'm here like uh, literally 24 hours after surgery with a stupid big cast and like a sling around my neck and i'm riding the freaking side by side all around the house <laughs> nice. i had to do it i had to do it but then, like, when I started feeling better, then I went and I put the doors back in it <laughs> and, the, and the safety nets. And put it's got, like, more seatbelts Yeah, more seatbelts than it needs to have. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Five-point harness. Yeah. It's like, that's why they put this safety net up there. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. That's exactly why. So, and that so, thing's got a super high center of gravity, so yeah. no shit. Yeah. I got a buddy that's got one, and and I f- even when we're just putting around on it, it it feels, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it feels really top heavy on it. But uh, yeah, they're all pretty they're, they're top great heavy. for hunting, though. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about but, some events. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, what do you? What's on your schedule this year? What are you? You coming up to RCHN four? Um, I'm going, to, dude. I would really like to go because I heard from Kyle that was a lot of fun last year. So, um, I really, really would like to go. And actually I'm thinking about like combining that with a little like uh, vacation sort of trip. So killing two birds yeah. with one stone. So that is definitely in my, in my, uh, my plans. Um, but other than that, I'm actually taking it pretty easy. I'm going to Virginia next weekend for their, uh, heli fling, I think is called up in Fredericksburg, Virginia. That's a nice event. And then, um, I might go to Switzerland in June. And then Urcha, whenever Urcha is, what, August? And that's really all I have planned for this year. I'll, I'll go to Kyle Stacy's event up in Rochester, New York, and to your, your event. But that's it. I'm keeping it pretty, pretty low-key this year. So No um, all over the world, huh? No. Nah, I, I, that, dude, that takes a huge toll on you. So um, I went already to New Zealand a couple of months ago. Literally, I was just coming back from New Zealand when I had the accident. And then, uh, and then after about a month after I had surgery, I went to Germany for the Rotor Life because we had a booth there. Um, obviously, I was scheduled to do demos, but I couldn't at the time. I still had a big cast. So, but I, you know, it, I'm trying to take it easy. I feel like that's more than enough. Three overseas events and like five U.S. events. I feel like that's plenty, you know? True. Um, 
Yep. And other than that, man, like just doing the same old thing and uh, trying to get good at FPV racing. You gonna yeah, so you gonna compete in that? What's up with that? I just I'm having fun with it. When I went to uh, what was that called? The Heli Extravaganza event last year in uh, Triple Tree in South Carolina. Um, it was it was raining the whole time. It was miserable. We like Kyle and I went there. Um, Kyle, Susie, and I drove up there, and the whole event was just raining and raining and raining. And they had an FPV course uh, that was sort of uh, like an FPV race that was organized by RC groups. And up until this point, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, why would I even try that? Like, I had the same mentality that most heli guys have. Like, screw that. That's the dark side, blah, blah, blah. But when you're, like, at an event and it's just pouring down rain and you're hoping that it'll stop at any moment, but you've already been there since Thursday, and now it's, like, Friday afternoon and it has never stopped, and it's just this constant stupid drizzle that is enough to... You, you can't fly in that stuff. You don't want to hurt your stuff, you know? Um, I was like, you know what? Kyle's like, dude, let's get one. So we just got these ready-to-fly things. And, uh, you know, we didn't care if they got wet. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, it's not a heli. It's not like I'm going to crash my helicopter and spend eight hours wrenching. It's just a freaking little quad. So we got it there. We, we got these things, and we started racing while at the event. Um, we'll sit behind my, you know, my camper, my RV. And we just fly. And, uh, you know, from that point, it was like, you know, this is kind of cool. And it started to get more challenging and more challenging. And because I have a little bit of property outside my house, I have a, have a bunch of trees and whatever. So, like, it's easy. It's far easier for me if I want to fly to sit in my front yard and do, like, a sort of FPV race around the trees and sort of thing than it is for me to, like, go to the flying field and fly my heli. As far as, like... You know, I need more time to go to the field. I just, you, you know what I mean? Like, I can walk outside. Right, right. It takes me three minutes to, like, or whatever, ten minutes to put a battery, do one or two flights, and come back in. So I've been experimenting with it a lot. And then the guys at Torches, um, like, out of all our members, dude, there's, like, 20 to 30 people now doing FPV at Torches. Um, they have, they set up this FPV sort of course, like, with gates and so forth, like, on the other side of the field. So we got the heli flight line to the side and then the FPV line to the other side. And it's kind of cool because we go out there, we fly our helis, and then we sit and we race together. And flying FPV racing by yourself freaking sucks, like we were saying earlier. But when you're <laughs> flying with other people, dude, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun because you crash all the time and you just laugh. And it's just, it's just a good old time, you know? I feel like there's a lot more camaraderie flying that stuff together than there is flying flying a heli i mean the heli is it's it's just different the heli is obviously more exciting the 3d part it's like you can't compare you just can't compare it helis are helis but as far as just having fun with buddies like it reminds me of like being a kid and like racing rc cars with like two buddies you know that that kind of feeling where you're just sharing the same thing at the same time you just have a ball it's just a different it's, for me, it's more like a hobby hobby as far as like, it's just, it's just like, uh, no different than when you get, you know, you're at an event and like, uh, you probably guys never like didn't experience this, but this was usual for us. Like in the Southeast, we go to an event and then we leave the event and we go to dinner. And then after dinner, we'll like find an empty parking lot and we go out there and fly our freaking 
little 450 size helis or you know 350 size nowadays or whatever uh fly them and like you know just be stupid and have fun you know what i mean yeah yeah so Mm -hmm. it's just cool and the downfall is that it's your level of fun is greatly dependent on the amount of people and that's all well and good like if your home field is torches and there's always a dozen people out there ready to fly with you but you know well, yeah, you need, yeah, you need people to do it with. You need people to do it with because, like, honestly, when I started it, like, like I said, I bought that thing, and I think that event was in September. And when I came home, I flew it a few times by myself. And you know, in the beginning, it's like anything else; you kind of enjoy it because you never done it, and it's something new, and it's cool, and it's RC, and it flies. So, I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna be cool to do. But after, honestly, after I did it for about two or three weeks, I was like, you know what, I'm done. And then I just lost interest. But then it was like, well, this this buddy of mine from Torches is now doing it. And now Bobby wants to do it. And then we would get together, you know, on an afternoon on a Saturday or whatever and just race each other. And just it's just a uh, it's just a a, in my like for me, it's a more laid back form of the hobby also, because I take helis very seriously. Like when I go fly, you know, I. It, 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 there's a different different mindset when you're gonna go fly 3d in front of you and you're low to the ground you, you're kind of like 100 percent into the like you're, you're focused it, mm-hmm. it's 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 a mental drain it's it's different it's it's you're focusing you 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 maybe you have a, a particular idea about your flight or what you're trying to accomplish or or achieve it's just a more structured uh form of the hobby for me when you're flying these quads together and you're racing each other, you don't you don't give a shit. I mean, these things crash and you pick them up, you put new props. If that, sometimes you bend them back and you take off again. So the stress that you're flying is big, heavy, relatively heavy, uh, expensive. Uh, you, you know, flying lawnmower is not there. That element is just not there. So it's a, it's a far more laid back version of having fun. That's all it is. So you get together. It's not a big deal if you're flying, you know, in your own private property and you have a couple of beverages to go along with it, you know, something that I try never to do when I'm flying my heli, you know what I mean? But it, like I said, it's just, just a more laid back sort of thing. That's all. Well, Um, and that's, I think that's part of the draw of it is you, I mean, you hit on a couple of things. It's laid back. Um, and it's fun to do with friends, but part of it being laid back and fun is that it's relatively cheap and carefree because it, you know, yeah, if that's, you drive in a heli, yeah. Yeah. you're wrenching and it's going to cost you a few hundred bucks. That, and that's my, that's the whole thing. And, and you're either wrenching or you could potentially kill yourself or somebody else if your stuff is not maintained properly or not set up properly, or you're not into it, or, you know, or you, you don't, you don't take the necessary precautions with this. I mean, you're sitting on a chair with goggles on looking like a dumbass. but the thing is flying relatively far away from you. The chances of that hitting you or somebody are pretty slim to none. You're racing. So you're flying low to the ground. You're flying, you know, anywhere between a foot and, and five, six feet off the ground. Um, you know, relatively far from you. So again, the chances of that hitting you or something are pretty slim to none. You don't have the fear factor of crashing. And, you know, 
I never had the fear factor. Thank God, you know, I was sponsored. So it's not like I'm spending money to repair my helis, but, but there's that, that time element. I mean, oh, dude, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Whereas these things, you know, again, the most that you could do is just break a prop or, I mean, you're typically your average time from crash to flying again is about three minutes or something, you know? So sure. You could break frames and destroy the thing, but it's very rare. I mean, unless you run into a wall at 70 miles an hour, you're not going to hurt it to where you can't just fly it again within three minutes. So that just makes it just fun. And, and, and like you said, carefree sort of thing. Yep. And, and it's, and it's cheap. It's very cheap. I mean, you can build a, a, a state of the art, ready to fly like racer, you know, for what, three to 400 bucks, you know, and then you can get a couple hundred flights out of it or 300 flights or 400 flights before you, you know, you kind of move on to the next thing. So, I mean, it's way, way cheaper. But um, with that, all that being said, the learning curve is pretty steep. I would say steeper than the learning curve for helicopters really? in terms of, oh yeah, in terms of what you need to know to have a, a quad that actually flies well for racing. And again, I'm talking about the racing FPV discipline. I'm talking about FPV in general. Like these guys, you know, some people say, oh, the FPV racers are taken away from the heli. No, this is like a completely different world. I mean, you got to learn a lot. There's a lot to know about the types of ESCs to use, the types of flight control systems to use you know, the video transmitters to use, the cameras to use, how everything connects together, how to set it up. You know, all this stuff is open source software for the boards and for the ESCs. So for you guys familiar with open source, you know, there's not a whole lot of documentation and like support behind open source stuff. So you have to do your own research and, you know, you go to a forum or you go somewhere like that to find something. It's like, good luck. I mean, you might find something buried in page 107 of like 300 page threat about something. It's, it's not, there's a, there's a lot to learn about this, you know, ESC stuff, especially and like board stuff and like, you know, the type of, you know, software to use on your flight control unit and how to set it up and PIDs and just like helis. But in my opinion, there's where, where's helis is, a heli build, I actually enjoy a heli build far more than a uh, FPV racing build, uh, racer build. A heli build is, in my eyes, just like 80 to 90% mechanical and like, I don't know, 10 to 20% electronics. This is 80 to 90 or 95% electronics and soldering and 5% mechanical, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you could put a high-end quad racer together, you know, the actual frame and the, the, the mechanics of it. In a, in a matter of tech, literally, I'm not exaggerating, three to five minutes. But to, to, to build it and do all the soldering connections and do all the setup and everything you need to do to have it ready to fly from parts to ready to fly, it could still take your good four or five hours. So everything is soldering, 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 dial, you know, plug the computer, set this up, plug the computer, set that up. I mean, it's a lot of that. Yeah, so, it's more electrically technical. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, which I'm more of a, a more mechanically oriented in some sort of way. So I enjoy building a heli much more. I, I don't enjoy building the quads hardly that much. But I don't know. It's a good escape. It's just a, a different thing to do. It's never going to take away. For me, it's never going to take away from helis. But it's certainly a good refreshing thing. Just something to kind of change things a little bit for a little bit, you know? 
Well, well so you guys should try. I would yeah. like to try it, but I, I've tried it a couple of times before, and my problem, as Nick, as you alluded to, was I don't have anyone locally, like immediately locally. Not If we go down to Portland, the Portland crew is hardcore into it, but here in my club, there aren't any that I know of, anyone that's doing it. So I got one, Bert, and I was flying around, and I'm like, hey, cool. It's the same grass and the same road yeah. and the yeah. same rocks, and mm-hmm. that's it. So yep. it, it's it's hard to get into it when you don't have have the people there to do it. Oh, I, I could it, not agree more. It really gets old if you're by yourself. It really does. I, I, I heard Nick's, Nick's considering yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> Nick is the heli. Come on. Nick is the, one of those heli guys who's like, really, FBB, you went to the dark side. Like when no, Bobby no. and I released this Mac Talk episode, it's like, really? You got like, dude, there were so many people pissed off. Bobby and I were laughing. I thought I'm it was past hysterical. the pissed off part. I, because I, I have, you know, I appreciate, I, I guess my... Eh. Originally, <laughs> I was pretty harsh. And I agree. But it was that way for everything. I get, you know, you get a little older, you spend a little more time in the hobby, you get a little bit wiser. I have a lot of appreciation for everything remote controlled now. You know what I mean? Like even yeah. to the point of like I'm I'm getting ready to go buy, you know, to go buy a car so that I can race around with my son. And I I have just so much more appreciation for planes and scale and see and see, sort of interrupt you, but see, cars, in my opinion, are the same way. Cars could be so freaking boring when you're by yourself, yep. but they could be a yep. blast when you have a bunch of people Absolutely. together. Absolutely. So I'm not, I'm past the, the remark stage, and I get it. It's just not for me. I love to fly. I still love to fly. I, I don't feel like. I'm done with flying yet. You know, I feel like every time I go out there, I still have more that uh, I still have levels of progression that I want to achieve. And when some one portion of it starts to get, you know, okay, maybe a little bit stale, then I just start focusing on something else. Like I've had an absolute blast. I got a little burnout on our pilot proficiency program thing. I'm having a blast flying my 500 Sport uh, doing speed with it now. Now, is that going to last? No, probably not. Is that going to maintain 100% of my focus? No, it won't. But it's all, I I don't know. I guess I'm just a heli guy at the core, and I'm okay with that. No, and I I am too, believe it or not. But, like, you know, years ago, like five, six years ago, there was this phase that I went through where, like, this buddy of mine and I were both in the heli helis actually that was more like eight to ten years ago we were both into helis we're flying together like three times a week like we're like buddy buddies just flying helis as much as we could trying to get better or whatever and like we saw these like rc motorcycles like little bikes like ducatis or whatever at like the local hobby shop i think it was graves dude we just bought two and like we would like go fly our helis on the weekend and then after flying the helis we would find a huge parking lot, like a Walmart parking lot or something. We would go race these bikes because it was so much fun. It was stupid fun. So it doesn't hurt to like just just take a break from the heli thing because it actually, re- to me, I find that it kind of renews my interest in helis. When I take a break for a couple of weeks and I just do something else that's still within the hobby, it just kind of makes me want to fly helis more. 
You know what I mean? It's just, it's like, okay, I, can I had see enough that. of this. Yeah. yeah. I had enough of this other shit. Let me get back to my heli. You know, it, it, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's always good to change it up a little bit. But well, I can tell you one thing. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and I, I said this before and I've had to eat curl, but I will not eat curl on this one. You will never, ever catch me doing any kind of FPV outside of work. Oh, dude, he just said that shit, Nick. It's over. No, I'm serious. You guys, I do this shit all day long every day. I get it, man. I mean, I get it. You you don't see me wrenching on anything with four wheels after work. Unless I'm over at your house. Yeah, yes. But, yes. but but Dan, what you're doing versus this racing stuff is completely different though. It doesn't matter. I'm not I am not interested. I, I it's hard enough for me to keep focus at work. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. But anyway, it's 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 something that for sure not everybody that's into helis would ever develop an interest in, and that's that's okay. But uh like I said, I compare it to like RC car racing. But three-dimensional, you know, and more like applying what we've learned with helis because the commands are the same. So to me, it's very exciting. It's shit. If I could put a camera on my speed machine and try my speed machine FPB, I will. That would be the most rest reckless shit you would do. But I don't know. If there's, some, there's a cool factor about going fast with like and being at the helm of it. And I'm a full-scale pilot. Like I hear people say, oh, I, I got into this like FPV hardcore people. I got into this because I wanted to fly a plane, but this is cheaper. I'm like, I don't see that. Neat. I could care less. I do it because I think it's fun to race other people. And it's kind of exciting when somebody passes you like a foot off, you know, the ground and you're like, you know, inches above him or, you know, whatever. That kind of, again, it's like, it's just getting together and having a good old time. Yeah. And I get through. I mean, I can appreciate that, but I just, I don't want to deal with, with that shit at, at I mean, it's tough enough for me to separate work from the heli side of it at home. You know, I, I wrench on that shit all day. Sometimes I come home and I'm like, uh, I just, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go out there and work on that helicopter. I've been doing this shit all day. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm just not interested. Well, you're, you're like, I am with, with the hobby in general. Cause I do it as, as a, I do it as a business. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking about this and, and, and dreaming about this literally and, and answering emails about this, you know, 365 days a year, you know, 18, 19 hours a day. So, so there's times when you're like, you know what, like it, I haven't flown in two weeks, but I really don't even care to go to the field. Cause like, all I'm going to do is like, and no, no offense, nothing against anybody. Like I love helping people. Don't get me wrong, but that's all that's when that's all you do every day. Then sometimes you're like, you know, if I go to the field, they're going to ask for this or that. So I'd rather just stay home or do something else, go ride my bike or, you know, just go to the beach or whatever. Um, you you kind of need that escape. I, I could totally understand you because like you, you, you work on these things all day long. And then the last thing you probably want to do is keep working on other things like on the weekend that are like not exactly the same, but to a degree they are. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's good to change things around. Um, like I'd love to get an RC car too and go try to race James Van Hook, although he's going to be going to give me a run for the money. But uh, I don't know. It's just I, I, maybe I'm just a little different, but I like to just try a lot of a little a lot of different things. Now, if I, if if you would have asked me like eight, six months ago, like or eight months ago, 
what do you think about FPV racing? I would have said the same thing. Like it's stupid. Like I would never do it. And it's not something that I think I plan. Oh, I'm going to get into that and I'm going to get good at it. And I'm going to get, you know, the best equipment. It just sort of happened like slowly over the course of many months. You know what I mean? Well, wait a minute. You liked it so much that you and Bobby did a smack talk episode. Well, so what's up with that? We wanted to revive smack talk. That that was how it all started. We wanted to start Smack Talk again. But, dude, like, unless we get a good idea, because I think what killed Smack Talk was our own show format. Just killed it in itself. Because we were always looking for content that we could use to fill a 45-minute to an hour episode. That's that's pretty long when you're doing video. When you're doing oh, yeah. audio, it's not so hard. But when you're doing video... That's pretty hard to do. 45 minutes to an hour. It's not so hard, he says. It's not so hard. Yeah, no, we I, just make I'm it not. seem that easy. <laughs> but Bert, all you guys got to no, do is well, get in front of the camera and talk about what you did for an hour and a half the last week. No, because we always wanted to pick up on a pick a topic and like talk about that. To- like, you know, we had an episode where we talked about blades. You know, everything about Blaze that we can talk about. We had an episode where we talked about, like, nitro tuning. That was the very first one. It's very outdated by now. But it's still the principle applies. You know, we did a lot of these things, like, flabberless setups. Like, I did one about V-Bar that was an hour long about nothing but V-Bar. Like, we we did a lot of the stuff. And then, like, we got to this point where, like, okay, what do we do now? Sure, there's things we can do, but they're not a whole topic that we can spend an hour, you know, or even 30 minutes talking about. You know what I mean? So, well, especially on video, that's a whole different thing. I mean, because it's that, really easy to kind of look stupid on video if you don't have your shit together. You know what I mean? No yeah, one's and, watching and, us and, do this right now. And but but the other thing too is think about it. Like you guys can like call somebody like me or like another pilot or whatever and have an interview, and you can kill an hour easily. And you know, I'm sure there's lots of interesting topics. Like we talked about the FAA. We talk about this. We, Whatever, even if it's, if we're just shooting the shit, people want to hear a lot of this stuff. On video, like, I couldn't have called, like, any pilot. To, oh, do you want to fly to Orlando just for, like, a day so we can interview you on video? You know what I mean? Like, we're going to do it on yeah. Skype. It's going to look, like, gay if we do a smack talk video. <laughs> like, and we're sitting behind Skype and you're looking at the Skype screen. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, video was really hard because you had to have everything sort of staged and prepared. And, and to find a topic that was, like at least 30 minutes long that we could like pick up on. Cause we went back and we've done everything we've done. You know, we've given people tips about how to compete in helicopters. We've done, you know, a 3d freaking, you know, nothing spectacular, but a pretty decent 3d, uh, teaching, uh, uh, how do you call it? Sort of session that encompasses like what 12 chapters and they're like 30, mm-hmm. 45 minutes each. We've done blades, we've done battery technology, we've done flavorless controllers, we've done, I mean, we just could not come up with one topic. The only topic I thought about was speed flying. I thought about that. That could have been a good 45-minute video. But aside from that, like, we didn't have enough content. So we were both uh, already kind of into the FPV thing, and Bobby suggested we should try this. And... Initially, I was kind of against it. I really didn't want to do it because I didn't think that we knew enough at the time. Now we know way more than we did then. But it was a very sort of like overview about what FPV is all about. And we we did it. 
and and that that was the main reason. And and now we're kind of like, well, do we keep going or do we not keep going? It's just we have this constant battle. Like, what do we do with this smack talk thing? You know, it. We still have people, even to this day, believe it or not, downloading all their episodes because a lot of the stuff doesn't really change that much. Dude, that auto rotation one. Exactly. I still, to this day, when people are like, well, I'm kind of struggling, that is the number one thing I say. Here's the deal go download the one that Bobby did on auto rotations. That one for me completely changed it for me personally. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I had, I mean, I was like just doing autos, kind of barely getting it by, you know, where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm landing them. But then when he's out there and he's like, uh, hello, collective controls your descent rate. I'm like, what? No way. (laughs) And it just, it's like instantly. I mean, the next day I went out, my auto level double and tripled my confidence and I wasn't bailing out if I thought what I was doing before is if it's like, if it even looked like it might marginally so go over my so head. Wait a minute. You did not know that collective control changed your you controlled your head, your, your, your head speed and your descent rate. No, it was, it so was what like, were you, doing? you were just chopping the left stick down and like hoping that it comes down. No, like, I had, what? I mean, I knew like, <laughs> You know, I I had got to the point where I was riding the auto. I was just going down to like two degrees, you know, negative two degrees, a little bit below mid. And I could tell if I was going over and I was high enough, I could pull back and kind of float it for a bit. And like, I got really good at understanding and feeling the auto out. But if it was too high, I just Mm -hmm. bailed out and started over. Like I, I, oh, I see. Okay, so I didn't now realize... you were more comfortable like getting lower on the stick and like yes, yeah. absolutely, and saying, "Oh, I'm gonna overshoot myself." Just drop your collective a little bit and be a little bit more aggressive with your decision. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That really never clicked, and and like he just said it, and the next day it was, I wasn't autoing, I wasn't ending my auto with the head speed that I ended up with i was ending mm-hmm. the auto with the head speed that i wanted and okay. that that I really gotcha. changed everything for me yeah i but agree i, mean, I, I, I downloaded like, like the first 15 or 20 episodes and for me the biggest one back then was the first one the nitro episode because mm-hmm. i was like mm-hmm. wait a minute bert just said that there's no reason to run a nitro above like 1900 to 1950 rpm and look what he can do <laughs> Yeah, I think 1950 is what we all used to run back then with that gear ratio, yeah. But, you know, a lot of the stuff is sort of outdated, but in the sense that the principle still supply, applies. I mean, the Nitro episode, even though it was our worst production in terms of audio issues, and I mean, it's not terrible, but I mean, you can hear some audio glitches here and there. And, like, it's really not well put together in terms of, like, the quality of production. It's really freaking homegrown, you can tell. Um, it still has some good content, like tuning content and stuff like that. It still applies to this day to the modern engines, you know? Yep. Um, and like, you know, I thought about, well, do we do another nitro now that the nitro's coming out? But it, it's it's the same thing. Like, what more can we say? You know what I mean? I mean, it, it could be, it's doable, but I mean, is there that much more that we can contribute to that number one episode? Maybe not. That's the thing. And like, I feel like most of those things have already been done. So, um, I don't know. The FPV was a good try. Uh, we'll, we need the problem with FPV is is such a broad 
FPV is just FPV. I mean, there's all these different things within FPV. Where do we take it from now that we focus on the racing aspect of it? Or, you know, I don't know yet. We're, we're debating what we're going to do. But definitely we're working on something FPV together um, a little bit in the near future. So that's for sure. Not necessarily Sweet. Smack Talk related. Maybe something else. Mm. Ooh, mm. nice. But for the, for the haters... We're not quitting Heli's. Well, I can't speak for Bobby. I'm not quitting Heli's. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what Bobby's. Actually, Bobby still flies his Heli's. But Bobby's been so busy flying. Bobby's doing what you're doing, Dan. You know, he's yeah. he's traveling a lot. And he's been traveling a lot, shooting a lot of stuff for uh, with this buddy of his that uh, sort of uh, that that that's really well connected into the you know, the cinematography sort of business. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going all over the place. I think he's going to Key West on Sunday in Florida Keys to do a shoot for some company or something. So he's, he's, he's traveling a lot. So it kind of burns you out too, when you're just flying all the time, like you're saying, Dan, and then like, you know, you, you, you're going to fly again the next day to fly your heli. Like it just, it kind of takes away from the whole motivation to fly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do. He doesn't even have to fly his with a transmitter, though, so that doesn't count. I, yeah, I don't even use a transmitter to fly mine. Yep. You just press the button. I just say... The, the go button and the land Walter button. Walter fly. Oh, and it's it voice-controlled like, now, huh? Just flies. Yeah, goes and looks in people's windows. And, yep. um... Yeah. All kinds of craziness. Cool. Well, cool, man. Well, we've had, we've kept you for a while. We're, we're absolutely pleased that you decided to visit us again. And uh, don't be a you know don't don't wait so long next time. You know, I appreciate it. Say hi. I appreciate the invitation and uh, having me once again. Seems like Absolutely, we do it man. like once a year, more or less. That's 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 not yeah, too that's bad. About all- it's about all we can actually handle you. So. Yeah, yeah, we got ratings we got to worry about, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree with you guys. Um, so are you going back to Urcha? Probably Ever? not. I don't oh, think so. Freaking, you guys are pussies. What the hell? You know what? Dude. We are... We're, we're doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. And to be completely honest, I love it tenfold more. Do you really? Yep. Yeah. 100% because of it's just it's it's completely different. It's not it is it's, it is it's, so it's laid back, isn't it? It's so polar yeah. opposite of Urcha, it's not even funny. I mean completely opposite. It is it's way nothing more, but fun, dude. It's 100% pilot focused, like people focused and not company focused. And, well, Urch not is, pro Urch focused, is a either. commercial. Yeah, Urch is a commercial event. Right. I mean, it, it's a trade it, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's no different, much different than the blowout. I mean, once you grow an event like that, the only way to sustain it is to is to kind of re- focus it on on the business side of things, so that you can get the sponsors to come to fund your event, so you can spend the money and make it happen at you a know larger what, scale. Dude? Challenge but, accepted. <laughs> challenge accepted. I I will personally accept that challenge because which is not to do that. I mean, just for us to be honest, it's I don't know how or how we're gonna do yeah, it. it. And I don't blame you, dude. I I I would. It, it's it's just tough though. It's really tough not to do it. It's probably you know, my ignorance talking. For the record, 
I mean, it really probably is. But I know, I mean, I can speak for all of us. We are going to do everything in our power. And it's a little different because, you know, we we feed our families through other methods. I know. I was going to say, Nick, to be to put a fine well, point on it, it's a little different because we don't mind losing large amounts yeah. of money to put on our fun <laughs> yeah, fly. Yeah. That's you know, to make to make a long story short before we or you guys let me go or whatever, we wrap it up. Uh, this is a very interesting thing that happened to me with the blowout. And, and I'll share it very quickly with you guys. I wanted the blowout to be a small event. Um, and by small, I mean in control where I decide or, you know, me and the club decides who's coming, you know, how we're going to do it. It's all about the pilots. It's all about the fun. I don't want this huge sponsorship thing where, you know, our sponsors start to dictate what they want. And I don't want it to make it look like a business. I wanted to make it look like a fun fly. It's a fun fly. And the pivoting point was about three or four years in. I think it might have been 2010 or 2011. Um, I had Charlie Stevens from Outrage back in the day. And and they set up like uh, Charlie was a super nice guy. Nothing against them, but they they really pushed their brand, uh, the branding like heavily. Mm-hmm. And I remember Charlie set up like freaking I don't even know how many do 10, 20 flags, beach flags all over the fly line. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, there were these bright orange flags with the outrage logo or whatever. And like, you know, I let the guys that came and the businesses and whatever they wanted to do is fine. Like there were no rules. It's just come and have fun, you know? And that year I had so many complaints from the other companies that were present about the fact that Charlie put all these flags up there. And I didn't want to go and tell Charlie, listen, take that down. Cause why? Like what I told the other guys was like, so you, you could do the same if you want to, you know, yeah, What's the no, big that's, deal? that's a good yeah. point. And but dude, that was such a big deal um, with complaints from other companies and the political things kind of like went to the next level. And I, you know, before I did the next event, which I don't remember if it was 2010 or 11, I said, you know, we have to put some structure to this because I'm not going to run through the I'm not going to deal with this like drama again. And that's when. Gary and I sat down and decided we're going to have sponsors. We're going to have these levels. We're going to expect this much from each. And we made it a structured event. And that's what made the event sort of like, I mean, I think inevitably the event was headed towards growth, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but, but that, that changed the whole dynamics of the event. The very next year when we had the sponsors in the fashion we did, you could tell that this is, there was just a different atmosphere. It was more the Urcha type atmosphere, not so much the typical small fun fly atmosphere, which nothing against one or the other format. I think some people enjoy one and some people enjoy the other and some people enjoy both. Both. I wanted it to be more like what you guys are doing. I just could not make it happen without dealing with a lot of drama. I so, yeah, but, I, I, I don't even, that, then it's definitely my ignorance talking because it, I mean, that, Something that I hadn't even thought about. And I'm sure you didn't until it happened too. Yeah, no, I never thought about it until it happened. I yeah. But it's something for you guys to consider. Like if if it starts to grow, how do you control I wouldn't say control the growth, but how do you control these little details to where it doesn't create a conflict or an issue with anybody? That that's the main key. Maybe you have some rules in place for 
for people that want to come and show their products to where, you know, everybody gets an equal opportunity, you know, and, and without asking much of them, but everybody sort of gets a, an equal opportunity and an equal maximum allowance for such X, this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. because that's where the problem begins. Some dude, some company is going to show up with like 20 flags and set up four tents back to back and have all their pilots hogging the flight line. And then like the other three companies are going to be like, whoa, this is bullshit. We can't, you know, it, it just really turns into a big mess if there's no basic rules in place. Maybe you don't need to implement them right away, but over time as your event growth grows, I think it's something that you guys are going to have to deal with. You know, that, not, it's but a I good think point. inevitably I, will. I think we do actually have some basic rules in place, but it is something that we will think about going forward this year for sure. I think that's, yeah. those are all very good points. Well, you know, growth growth is a good problem to have. I mean, there's nothing wrong with growing an event. That's a very good problem to have. The problem would be that nobody shows up. <laughs> that's but fair. When the companies start to fight uh, with each other for having more exposure at your event, that's a good problem to have. That means your event is being very successful. I mean, I wouldn't sweat it too much. Just keep it in mind. That's all. Yep. True. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, wise words. So, well, dudes, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely, man. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And thanks for your support, by the way. Of course, you know, you're you welcome. Support our show. Try, yeah, to do man. Us, try to do what we can. I appreciate the support back. So, there it is. Hurt. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Good times. Yeah. Great conversation. Lots of cool topics. Yeah, he, he wasn't afraid to voice his opinion on the whole state of affairs, I suppose. You know, it's well, that's uh, good. That's why I like it. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I don't need my handheld. <laughs> so it was nice of him to to, to uh, let us know what's going on and uh speedy recovery. It's uh good to hear that that's healing up and uh you know, it's tough to fly without the use of your arm. So get back into the swing of things there, Bert. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for the support on the show, right? You Thanks betcha. Me. Hell yeah. Alrighty. So this one's running a little on the long side. Maybe we should do some emails. And if there's any other uh, things you guys want to mention, we can take care of that as well. But before we do that, Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? You would send me an email to nick at rchellynation.com. Or catch me on my Facebook page at nicklen-rchn. How about you, Justin? You could send me an email to justin at rchelynation.com or catch me on Facebook or the forums as Justin Pucci. Jesse is not here, but if you wanted to get in touch with him, you could do that at jesse at rchelynation.com. He's also on Facebook as well. Do you have any questions uh, for shirts or citizen numbers or anything like that? Which, by the way, we do have some of that stuff in stock if you're interested. You can uh, send those to Ken at rchelynation.com. Send him an email and uh, he'll get those questions answered. I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchelynation.com. Dan K. Reed on the Facebook and the forums on the Facebook. That's how old people say it. Over there on the Facebook. On the Facebook. (laughs) Anything else you guys want to mention before we head out of here? That's it, man. I think we're good to go. Alrighty, guys. This has been episode 
230. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this one as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. No FBB for this guy. Take it easy, dudes. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC, and is brought to you by Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, and Spartan Flybarless Systems. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to send us an email. Thing won't go away. I swear to God, it's gonna kill me. <laughs> Felt the same way about my ex-wife for a while. <laughs> <laughs> same here. <laughs>